You're listening to What's the Story podcast, brought to you in association with Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel. Go to www.fitzpatrickcastle.com for more. Hello everybody and welcome to WTS Pod, little old What's the Story podcast number 134. My name is Danny Murray. I'm Graham Merrigan. I'm buzzing for this week because um, as Graham makes noise into the microphone for me, because he sounds like that, um, I guess second time guest on the podcast, the we had return. Great Crack, the return, yeah, we had Great Crack the first time he was on and this one comes back um, with... What was it the most? If the nominee, if the nominee, yeah, but he's known for Nifta before. Yeah, yeah, and now again for the most successful Irish film, 2017, Cardboard Gangsters. Yeah. John yeah. Connors. Yeah, welcome back, back, John. Welcome Thanks back, for having man. me. That Thanks back, for the last time we were just talking about cardboard and yeah, and the potential and you know whatever might happen with it, and then we had a bad kind of start in the sense that it didn't really explode in the festival circuit, you know, in the mm. Irish festival circuit and. There are many sort of reasons there. There are a couple of political reasons, but I'm not really going to get into that. I'll, just, <laughs> I'll fuck myself up even more than I'm already fucked. But, um, but then once we went to Manchester, the embraced the film and we won awards over there. I won Best Actor, I won Best Film, then Best Overall Film and got like seven seven awards altogether, special mentions and things like that. Brilliant. And then um, we went to... Uh, and would you know, the funny thing is we weren't going to the awards because we're in like a cocktail bar just across the road. And they were, it was like two-for-one cocktails. We were also getting drunk, me, Mark, Michael Lavelle, the DP, Kirsten, who was in it. A few of the actors were like, and Richie, the producer, were like, ah, fuck that, we're not going to win no award, you know? Even though, like, during the film, after we done a film, we done the Q&A, James Nesbitt stood up for, like, ten minutes praising the film. No way. Saying it was his favourite Irish film the last two decades. You don't like taking praise, wow. though, don't you, know? Hey, not necessarily. <laughs> I was, I was dr- at a Q&A. Yeah. And he didn't like the praise. Yeah, I was, dr- uh, yeah. A bit yeah. modest. Yeah, well, no, I don't know. It's a, uh, yeah, it's the, it's the, uh, I don't know, the Irish shame thing, isn't it? Yeah, we have a shame yeah. to take it. Mm. But uh, with that, we, we got so drunk, we weren't going to go. And Mike Lavelle says, because it was two for one cocktails, he said, Look, please, it's so rude if you don't go to these awards, you know? Please, let's go to the awards. And like, it was only across the road. I said, No, I don't go to the awards. And then Mark was like, Maybe we should go to the awards. It's like, Okay, we got the awards. We never expected it. And, like, we were getting called up every second, and, and the winner is, and the winner is, so. <laughs> well, then, yeah. we just, then we just what was that like though going from the cocktail bar to the award ceremony great crack we're and being as winners like literally the second we went in the door I won best actor and then uh, when I just sat back down we won best film I had to get back up <laughs> and then when I sat back down again then we won best overall film like I, I didn't get to sit down <laughs> just straight up I was like what, what the fuck and you weren't going to go no we weren't going like we weren't going Michael Lavelle fair play to him he pushed us to go like it was, and I mean it's only 30 seconds away it was only thirty seconds away. We wouldn't. We just said we're not going to win any. Like, yeah, well, then we two for one cocktails will do that. You know exactly. <laughs> like we were just lit. And we had the crack. Like, and then we were over in um, in LA and and uh, well, what the fucking what's the name of the fucking festival? Jesus, I can't believe I can't remember. It's a big festival. All um, Newport Beach Film Festival. Right. And expecting like these people to probably hate this film and not understand a word because they're real kind of big upper class. You know, Newport Beach is like the millionaire central. You know. Yeah. And he, he really understood it, and he loved the film. People were crying and all, and were saying like, you know, you could you could put this film anywhere because of the themes were universal. Yeah. And we said, ah, oh, that's grand. But we left before the awards, thinking we'd never win an award. Like we won best film over there. We could Fucking win like, the lowest budget film uh, film in the whole festival. It was like four hundred films or something. Did it have to be subtitled? 
if no, I'm no, no. People were were understanding, but because like the teams are really strong in it, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and you kind of have your archetypal characters, and you c- so in some ways predictable, but our style, the style in which we done it, uh, was raw, and new, you know, new and edgy, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that the Q and A, but that wasn't this. The, the finger. Can oh Jesus <laughs> Christ! Not that one. That one. Oh, yeah, you, were you coming in with us and you're like, no, I think there weren't too many. <laughs> See, I did, you know, man, oh, man, that was one, that was a, that was an embarrassing, uh, that, that was, was a, a Friday night and you text me Sunday saying you're only in the door. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, man, like, the worst thing they do, like, I didn't want to go, I was just having a bad patch at that point, I didn't want to go, I didn't want to go to any festival. Yeah. And there was sort of, you know, I was told, you know, it'd be good if you go. And it's only around the corner of you, and I said, like, okay, I'll go. And then it was free wine. I think I drunk about five bottles of wine for myself. <laughs> and I was smoking and all. Like, I was smoking in the cinema, like, I just didn't, at the door of the cinema. Like, yeah. Then I went in just, like, lit. You seen me, like, I was yeah. attacking people and all, like, saying mad shit to people, wasn't I? It's about the most embarrassing thing in my life. <laughs> uh, Insulted a lot of people. Next day, I was like, said, I'm not dealing with this. But do you like, do you like touring the, the, the film? Like in generally speaking, the whole process of touring and Q and A's does it take its toll? Was it that at that point you're kind of go, oh fucking bored yeah, it of this? Sick me bollocks of it was, it was mm. and the film wasn't getting embraced, and this is before we kind of went away. It was just just sick of it, and sick of the kind of uh, the festival sort of culture of just everybody just sucking each other off and I just don't like it. You know what I mean? Mm. I think I I just don't want to mix with any of that. I don't want to get complacent. I don't want to think they put me head up my arse and think I'm deadly. Just I, I, it doesn't work for me. Like I know there's that thing of like being Irish and we don't like compliments and blah blah. But it even just though, I just don't, I just want to be you know, just want to separate that from me. I just want to be right. professional about things, and just like there's always a job in front of you. You know what I mean? And just work to that and not be worried about you know. Oh, I'm deadly. You know what I mean? What does so it was really it a case of right? That's made onto the next one. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, yeah. And that's how I feel about everything I do. To be honest with you, like it was a bit more personal with that because of writing and a lot of me life's there. But really. You just want to move on, you know. That's yeah. what I was wondering about the writing of Cardboard Gangsters because I had told like family and stuff to watch it because it was recently on TV3 mm. and a lot of the feedback I was getting um, was saying how good it was mm. but the bit that they loved that nobody was made out as a hero. Like yeah. if, if you remember with Love, Hey, and sorry if I'm comparing it, I'm not comparing no, it. No, no, but they're both the same genres though. But people... Just judging by social media when Love Hate was on, people were almost kind of near just their hero almost. Yeah. You know, I hope he survives. Yeah. Or Fran, I hope he survives. And you know, in Carboard Gangsters, like what the ending and the, nobody's made out to be a hero and it's very raw and it's very true and it's very fuck. Yeah. This mm. is well, deep, that, that was the intention, yeah, from day one. Yeah. Well, I think the first scene I wrote was the dead scene. It was the first scene I wrote. The dead scene. It was at the, the first end? scene I wrote, yeah. You're when yeah. you die. Mm. Fuck. It was the first scene I wrote Romantic because I knew what I, I knew what I wanted the film to be about, and I knew why I was making the film, because of this kind of desensitized nature of the youth. You know what I mean? The mm. violence and the gangland culture, and uh, they were kind of fascinated with the folklore of the gangland culture and the latest kidnapping or fella getting killed or dragged away and tortured, and the, we'd all be laughing at that kind of thing when we were young. You know, we'd be like yeah. thinking it's deadly. So that kind of, just, when I kind of matured a bit and realised how psychotic that sort of fucking thinking was, that's when I decided to write the film. The first scene I wrote was that, I thought about like the film, the content in my head, but the first one I wrote down was just that end scene. 
And I knew what way it was going to be. I knew what way it had to be. You know, the extreme violence. You know what I mean? Extreme, mm. extreme violence. I knew it had to be at the very end because people wouldn't watch it beyond that. You know what I mean? It's over then, you know. But also the trick was to kind of keep people, give them a bit of hope until the end. So that's why, we, you know, we we made that scene. I think Mark came up with the scene where I, uh, I'm in the back of the van and I'm, I'm trying to take off the cuffs or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mark came up with that uh, bit of that. So because we're getting a bit of feedback where what's the point it's just kind of sacrificial lamb stuff but whereas that was giving you a bit of hope then you think maybe he's going to get away you yeah. know and then it just hits you that he's not going to get away and then if you look at the end I always wanted uh, Jimmy Smallhorn's character Dara to be a complex character and like he's crying over the grave because of his son as well you know and mm. he he's the villain he's supposed to be the villain but you see kind of a human side to him that he's this tearing apart of his son being killed you know that's always was I, I rewatched it recently because my, my missus hadn't seen it mm. and when we said oh you're going back on a podcast she was like oh I wasn't here in a, a film recently and I said yeah look do you want to watch it so we got it and she watched it now she's not very good at films she's mm. not she can't sit still basically and mm-hmm. if it's not you know Disney or a cartoon her attention span doesn't stay long enough <laughs> but uh, the scene is just after you have killed the, the young lad and it's yeah. almost like your character has this kind of this reckoning and it, he has this like emotional scene with his man mm. in the bedroom yeah and I could hear her sniffling and straight I was like that's this she's in hook line and sink or she's <laughs> in like but that scene itself man where you like fucking destroy the wall and then you Fuck, have that yeah. and it, it's almost kind of like your character realises what he's done yeah and, then, and it's what know, kind of separates him from being a real gangster yeah. because he's empathy and the guilt kicks in immediately and uh, and, and the whole Situation, you know, is he knows everything's going to change now. Yeah. There's no going back from this. Yeah. Um, the thing about that scene, uh, we didn't even like that wasn't written down. Like there was like a description of like um, Jay sits in the bed contemplating and something, there was something like that. There was no Jay smashes ball. Jay, mm. we didn't decide any of that. That was spur of the moment, to be honest. Serious. Yeah, that was spur of the moment. It was, was not planned in any way. Wow, because it was fucking powerful watching it. Like, it was yeah, brilliant, like. here was the thing. Mark, like, Mark credits you for the, for coming up with that though. Mark, when Mark was talking to us about it, yeah, you said John just went into character. Or yeah, there was a. Do you know what happened? Like uh, before I got done kind of gangsters, I thought that I kind of. I uh, went to the depths of work and go as an actor. No one wants to sound like a cheese ball cliche artist, but <laughs> but that's what I felt like, you know. I felt I went to the depths of who I am. You know? <laughs> but my cardboard went deeper because we were just doing stuff that just uh, just we just went so deep in it, you know. From from staying in character when we lived with each other for seven weeks, yeah. you know what I mean, keeping the accent, going out clubbing, doing all the stuff that was in the script, rehearsing the script, improvising the script. Had you know? I remember one stage like the feminists won't like this, but we had like fifty women, and just like four of us in, in my in my house with a five ounce speaker, and we never left it for like three days. You know what I mean? So we just went so deep with it that that everything was everything was just an extra layer on top. You know? Yeah. yeah. So the morning of that, I woke up that morning, and I was just well, shaking because I knew that was the scene. That was something had to happen. You know, something had to, had to be like an explosion there. But I didn't, yeah, didn't think it was going to manifest like that, not even physically like that, but it just meant this is something, this rage that's been building up inside me, John Connors, mm. for years, you know, and, and stuff that I never expressed myself. And I was just really nervous about the whole thing and not nervous about not being able to perform or look good. 
it was more nerves that I, I was going to expose something that I didn't want to expose or, you know. So me and Mark had a chat about it, and he just said, look, this is like a tornado. tornado. He said, it's like a tornado. You know, it takes everything in its, in its path. And again, we didn't talk about that physically, you know what I mean? Whatever way it manifests. Mm. So Mark kind of then said, I've got a feeling this is just going to be a one-take thing, you know, because we weren't, we weren't going to shoot a cut and it just shoot the whole thing straight on. As you can see, there's no cuts. Mm. So when I decided to go down that route, which was the spur of the moment, I can't actually really remember, um, hitting the wall or whatever, there was no option to do a second... Second, because the wall was gone. The, the wall was gone. You the wall, so yeah. it had to work. It had to work. You know what I mean. And then you had to have the sound perfect, and then you had to have the mother coming in at the right point, moment, which was all improvised. Like our dialogue was going kind of improvised, and then also you had to have the focus puller had to be focused at the right time. So like the chance of getting that right the first time, because the previous scenes we were doing, we were getting loads of takes wrong with focus. That was an extremely difficult. One. So it just got right at the right time, you know. And you were saying there that you kind of had this almost angst building up towards it and it was probably because you didn't want to kind of let yourself down or whatever. Is that a thing of you didn't, you don't want people to see a vulnerability or does that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I kind of uh, like, like I give you like afterwards, being on it, like anybody on set I tell you, afterwards I couldn't, I couldn't stop crying. Like, I mm. couldn't stop for hours. It's like I opened something that I, just like opening a wound. Yeah. And, uh, so that was John Connors then. Yeah, yeah, Not I Jay. Yeah, I couldn't stop for hours. Like I literally, that Mark had to, Mark had to stop filming. Like he had to send the crew away, and uh, left me in the room and was kind of you know trying to comfort me to come back. But I, I was trying to stop. Yeah, yeah. Like three trying and I couldn't stop physically crying. And, and uh, my, um, Craig Kenny, the first AD, he came in, and uh, he was just you know he's a, the funniest man alive. Like you know, it's been crack. He's just so witty. He'd been cracking jokes and I was laughing, but I was still crying and laughing. <laughs> and he was like, made me feel like I was under no pressure to, yeah. to, uh, to, you know, to get out of that zone. And he brought me up a couple of beers. And I just drank a couple of beers and chilled out with a couple of beers and just got myself back around because I think the next scene was like kind of a half playful scene with the lads or something. Mm. So it was just hard to kind of get from that to that. Yeah. You know? Was it mad? Genuinely, though, and and not just saying it because you know you're here or whatever. But are you, I think you went to the premiere or you went to one of the four screenings. Yeah, and I was in the four screenings. You said it. Yeah, you said it. Go fucking see this and unbelievable film. So I give you a laugh about that scene, though, right? To, to bring it back to something that's just a bit more fun. Yeah. So that's always been the standout scene in terms of audience members talking about after mm. every Q and A, everywhere went in the world. People always talk about that scene, and you, there's like sometimes. It's complete silence. Sometimes there's a gasp, you know, during that scene. So I brought a screen that had Mount Joy. And it was the, like, I hate watching the film at this point now. Mm. But I didn't mind going to Mount Joy because it gave me kind of a level of nerves a bit that I never really get, you know. Because, yeah. like, you know, just in terms of authenticity. And I know it's authentic anyway, but you know what I mean. So I put it on anyway. And it was the best screening ever. Like, these lads got the... They got that real Dublin dialogue. Like, they, not more than got it, they appreciated. Yeah the way they speak being shown on screen, which you never really see, you know? Yeah. And they got all the comedy more than anybody. Yeah. And the dark, the dark comedy they really got, and stuff that maybe wasn't funny, yeah. they, they laughed, like it was the funniest, like if you were to record the the, the, the screen and you would think you were watching the comedy, yeah. you could not stop laughing. So this scene's coming up, and I was getting really nervous, you know? Watching this scene, this scene's coming up. 
And I swear to God, you're out the whole scene, they're laughing their heads off. <laughs> really? Have you in the room? Simple. <laughs> no way. Honestly, yeah, laughing their heads off. And I was there. I pissed myself laughing. I couldn't stop laughing, you know. But I think I was talking to um, to one of the teachers afterwards. I think she was a psychologist. And she said that, um, you know, there was a couple of fellas in the crowd that definitely, you know, murdered people, right? And, uh, so that would have made, felt them, made them feel a bit uncomfortable. Mm. And it's what you do naturally sometimes when you're uncomfortable is laugh. Yeah. So once one starts laughing, nervous everybody laughing. starts laughing, yeah. nervous laughing, you know. So it kind of touched the nerve in them, but it manifested in a different way, you know. But uh, I was sitting next to, I can't say it on, I can't say it on, I'll say, I'll say afterwards, but I was sitting next to like a big, big gangster, like a extremely famous gangster that everybody knows. He was next to me, right next to me. And I met him, I came in a few months before this is how I got hooked up where I did an acting class with him. I was meant to just do a talk and ended up doing an acting class. And this fella never acted before in his life. And I didn't even know who he was. I didn't cop who he was because his look has changed a bit. Mm. And um, I was slagging everybody and trying to be all funny and charismatic and everybody mm. was getting their laughs. But it was every time I slagged this fella, no one would laugh. And it was weird, you know, I was like, what the fuck is going on, you all dry shades, you know? So I got this fellow back that never acted before in his life. He's like fucking Brando. I was like, did you never act before? This fellow was like Brando, I'm telling you. I was doing scenes with myself. And he was just fucking brilliant. I was like, are you sure you've never acted? Never acted, bro. So then he knew me in at the screen and he sat right down beside me and he said, I've already seen this on DVD. He says, the best gang anvil I've ever met. He said, most authentic. And he said, the best message. And he told everybody to shut up, like, and a lot of everybody was shutting up for him, you know? Did you mean, did you mean to take the... Uh, <coughs> The viewer on the journey of comedy and then fucking disaster at the end. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing we always was very, very conscious of because there was a lot of heavy stuff. was a bit of comedy in it. Because the characters were brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were. But we yeah. just wanted to make sure that it wasn't like like looking for laughs comedy, just real comedy that lads have banter, that lads have, you know. And a lot of the comedy came, came from... Um, from uh, Fionn who played Dano right you know he played a, he was really good that was the chap with the amazing haircut was it yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my God, that, that, you know what happened though that <laughs> happened by an accident so he was he was searching around and he was asking well, where can I get where can I get and he went really deep you know what I mean because he'd be a ver, like Fionn would be a middle class lad from Holt and he was very nervous about going into this world you know and he, yeah, uh, yeah. he kind of asked to go deep and he was one of the reasons why we went so deep you know because of because that's what he wanted to do so he was asking you know looking for the, the right hairdressers and he went to his hairdressers and that's what he'd done to his head like I heard, but I heard he nearly killed one like it was because I was in there just the week after I'm like he fucking freaked out this guy you know <laughs> but he came back and he was like he just thought the whole thing was ruined and then he got tattoos that look really shit as well but then our kind of makeup artist fixed them to make them look more yeah. real you know but he nearly yeah he nearly lost his shit Jesus. that's hilarious um, he got nominated as well for best supporting actor yeah. in a great category as well he was, he was brained in it he was absolutely brained in it yeah, it's mad funny. if you see like he did a film a short film called Rhino it's about four stone heavier five years before big beard and this is like five years later in cardboard and he looks about ten years younger like it's mad <laughs> and it's super shaped and just a different yeah. human being you know what I mean like just like unrecognisable accent look everything everything about him yeah. I, he's I, one of them kind of you know Gary Oldman Daniel Lewis type you know trying really? to imagine mm. actors yeah because like, I'd never seen him before cardboard gangsters yeah it'd be the first kind of big mainstream maybe he was in what Richard did though I don't know if you've seen that film about what you did. No, I heard the, of it. The, I heard uh, of it. Lenny Abe's Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he was in that. He, was in, he played a good part in that. But he wasn't in much kind of mainstream stuff. Um, Go on. I was going to say, are you proud of Carberry Gangsters now? Yeah. Because a bit at the start you were kind of... Yeah, I'm proud of it. Like, I think I'll always like... I would have like, 
I would have liked another like six weeks in the edit room, you know, the editing room. Oh, really? I think Mark would have as well, like you know, but like we saved the film from, from you know, look, we were meant to be finishing the edit three or four months before we actually did. Yeah. And we came to the point where we had like a week left, and I was like, Mark, if this film goes out like this, it's gonna bomb, and it'll get into no festivals, and it'll never get a cinema release. It's just nowhere near where it should be. And he says, I totally agreement. So we managed to do a deal with the post-production company to get a few extra months in the edit. But in the end, I still would have... Look, I'm so happy no matter what, it did well, 100%. But um, I still would have liked him. And Mark would have too. Mark would have said that as well. We wanted another four, five, six weeks in the edit. Yeah. Because you know, we rushed the last week or two. Oh, really? Because we had to, like... Put yeah, because the deadlines. Mm, yeah. Um, look, congratulations on it. And, and mm. I hope the IFTAs... Uh, you know, the, go the to award, the awards, not go to in. the cocktail bar. Yeah, go to yeah. the yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm off to drink. Uh, I'm gonna stay off it for the yeah. yeah. You gotta, how long are you gonna stay off it for this year? Or just, I might as long as I just have one Paddy's Day, maybe because mm. I go to New York, so maybe not the Paddy's Day, but I'm gonna do a bit of boxing when I'm over there and go to Gleason's team over there, which is famous in, team. Is that in Boston? Is it? That's in New York. It's in Brooklyn. Sorry, I'm thinking mm. of Derek under the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah, I'm gonna go there because it was always a dream just to go there and see the players, but. John Duddy, you know John Duddy, the yeah, boxer. Yeah, yeah. I know John Duddy, we're kind of mates. And uh, I've met him a few times, like, we're friendly with each other, and he said he'd bring me down and show me the ropes a bit, because I want to do a bit of training now. And get yeah. Were you not supposed to get, get fit and fight Brian McFadden? Yeah, in like, the cage? He, yeah, he was not going to fight me. And <laughs> <laughs> um, I wouldn't blame him, I would have killed the man. There was uh, good crack between the two on Twitter. I know, we had good banter, like, yeah. you know what I mean? I, I said to him, um, I said, uh, I'm charging with crimes against music and I'm your punishment <laughs> you know, my goal was just to be a better shit talker than McGregor be like the travel version you know and I, I trash talked the fuck out of him like it was yeah give him some good ones but he emailed me saying like he's too busy and I can't commit to this kind of thing or whatever he's torn or whatever and I was like I'm going to smash you up like, I was just kind of keeping going serious and then I was like only messing we were kind of having a laugh at each other yeah but uh, no yeah like nothing personal you're not I, supposed to do something with John Kavanagh no, there was that win for Warrior thing, which is oh, a yeah, separate yeah. thing. Like you do six months or whatever, but like, but I'm not doing. That. I can't. Like I'm you just have the time to commit. No, to that. Like, if, if it was something like they were doing a charity thing, mm. they want to be the fight. Just give me the date. I'll show up and kill somebody. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like that's that was my whole thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'll do a bit of fucking. I'll go in and do try to do a bit of grappling with somebody and learn that kind of thing. Yeah. That, but look, even if I face someone who's gonna have a couple of months training and grappling, it's not enough. To avoid me, yeah. do you yeah. know what I mean? Because I just throw four or five bombs and kill somebody. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I'm fighting on my life. It's not a brag. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I can fight. Yeah. And if you put me in a ring or an octagon with any civilian, I'm gonna kill them stone dead. <laughs> Especially you... Brian McVadden, like. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like it would be murder. Like it'd be san- it'd be legalized sanctioned murder. <laughs> so probably a good thing it didn't go down because I don't like I don't take it easy. Would you? Like, walk I have out? an ev- evil streak in me. Even when I sparred years ago for boxing, like anybody said you would box with me in my generation. I never took these on anybody mm. unless they were a complete raw novice put in the ring with me to move around but if I would never take I'd kill people in the ring if I could that's the way I fought some great old pictures you put up your Instagram lately um, mm. as an amateur boxer yeah yeah yeah. that's the kind of motivate me as well you kind of miss your yeah. days of that do you? oh do big time man yeah boxing was my first love like it was me I dreamed of being a professional boxer that's all I wanted to do you know yeah. Yeah. I've thought about being an actor that was fucking ludicrous the thought of want to be actor you know that's so what's what stopped you from going into amateur boxing then? or well, going d- all the way well I, I I was doing pretty good I was an amateur star you might say five finals in a row Irish finals 
one tree uh, the fourth I was disqualified with three seconds left 13 points up for biting and I didn't bite your man that would have been my fourth in a row um, and that kind of uh, took a bit of wind out of my sail because it was like I didn't bite your man there was, I don't know I was, I, I was in a previous fight where I was ripped off and I lost my head and I threw the gloves around because I was ripped off really really bad you know mm. and then that fight happened and I felt like it was like a conspiracy to, for me to lose my title you know mm. but then even though that happened to me that disqualification I still got chose to go and fight in Azerbaijan uh, for the President's Cup for Ireland you know yeah. and um, I lost where I was really disappointed I lost I lost 32-18 to this fella Keith Tapia but I didn't know he was reigning world champion amateur and he went out to win the cup I was the only fella went the rounds with him in that place and I fucking I gave him the count and dropped him and all and I think it was 32-18 he beat me which is usually if you score 18 points in a fight you win like yeah. it was just a fucking non-stop non-stop punch and fight like and he's a pro now. He's like sixteen and all. He's a pro, really good. No way. Yeah. He's uncle of Johnny Tapia, three-weight world champion. So he did a good breeding in him, you know. And, uh, so uh, basically, I was doing well, and then I started to get some injuries when I was around sixteen. I was gaining weight and um, just like stretching out a bit. And any big puncher suffers with your hands, you know. So I suffered a lot with my hands, and then I had an ankle injury that took me out for about six, seven months. And then I, I, came, I went up like in two, three stone weight and then I just started boxing on a heavier weight. And I was still winning, I was still winning titles. And then at 17, I got to the Intermediate All-Ireland Final. Uh, I think I won the, won the quarters against this policeman who was like 31 or 2 for an Arglo. And I was 17 and I beat him 18 one get my boxing lesson. Wow. But I didn't even use my right hand because I bruised my right hand going into the competition sparring. And... Um, it was just, it wasn't broke, but it was bruised. And I thought, like, if I just put too much pressure on it, I might break it. Have a couple of weeks in the competition, potentially. So I beat him just with one hand, like 18 1. And then I won the semis by a walkover, got into the final. But my mum was about 28 or 9. He had man strength. I was 17. And I went in, like, with just absolutely completely dying with the flu. And I wouldn't tell my manager because my manager was a real sort of. Pull you out? Really protective. Like, anything wrong with you. Like, if he knew about my hand, he wouldn't have put me in. He'd just really look after you. Boxers first. I'm like a community activist more even than a trainer, you know? Yeah. But I wouldn't tell him I was dying with the flu, smothering, smothering with the flu, and it takes the wind out of you. And I went in and I was winning until the last 30 seconds and your man just two or three punches and won the fight. And then... Uh, you got disheartened then, did you? Yeah, I, I gained a lot of weight after that. And then, like, uh, the next year, I decided then to go in for the under 18s, which I was still eligible for because I was still only young, you know? And then um, I just went in six weeks, six weeks notice and I lost three and a half stone in six weeks. And I just got on the scale and I was like a scale, like Casper, you know, just, mm. no, just Three drained. and a half stone in six weeks? In six weeks, yeah. Instead of, like, instead of like trying to train 12 weeks out or 14 weeks out, I just did six weeks. And I got beaten in, in the semis by a fellow who I used to spar on the Irish elite team, who I used to just decimate. A fellow who used to not like sparring me. Yeah. And I just did five weeks of training, six weeks of training, and he beat me and I was just disgusted. And then I was saying I was always going to come back, you know. And then when I was like 19 and a half, before I got into acting, I was close to going pro. I just felt I wanted to want me to go pro. And I did about three months training with him. And I dropped a lot of weight. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go pro now. And then I was playing a football match with my brother's team. And I broke my ankle. And that put me out. That was the same ankle I broke before. I was out for about Jeez, five yeah. or six months. And then I gained loads of weight. And then it was always, for the next three or four years after, I was always like, I'm going to make a comeback. Until, like, until I got into acting and then it kind of changed you know? yeah. but I still fought I fought like a couple of bare knuckle fights since then and one charity fight in 2013 mm-hmm. where, where I got kind of like relatively fit for a fat person 
You know what I mean? I've no yeah. idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and um, bare knuckle fights. Like when was the last time you did a bare knuckle fight? Um, when was that? Oh, a long time, six years ago maybe. Um, just because it, it's never happened. Like, I think I nearly got in one there a year or two ago. It was nearly happening where. I think my uh, there was yeah, one fella from another family wanted to fight somebody in my family who who wasn't really a fighter and I put my name forward and I said I'll fight him instead. Now look, not one bit fit, drinking every weekend, fifty smokes a day, twenty one or two stone at the time. But I just said fuck it, I'll fight you, I'll fight you now, like fight you today. And uh, he didn't he didn't want to fight. That that's part particle is part of the heritage, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm. it's not like it's still going on as as popular as ever. Like oh, it's bigger than ever because of the internet now. So, it's, yeah. but that's where the problems lie in because it, like things escalate them. You know what I mean? And everybody gets to see the fight, whereas years ago you wouldn't do. And everybody gets to have a judgment on the fight and how it went. Mm. And then that might might cause a bit of trouble, or people might do videos like threatening other people. So technology is sort of. Not not done us any justice as a people. You so know? Was it a case in that, say, years ago, like, you know what I mean, the, the fight would happen, you know, you'd you'd take your beating or you'd take yeah, your win. and you forget and, about it. And that would be yeah. it. And but now, because of the internet, sort of, you'll take your beating and on the day it might be, but then, yeah. you know, the the internet brings up the wounds and it's sort of... Course, of yeah. And then just, like, separate little challenge videos and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing a documentary on it soon, actually. The next oh, couple brilliant. weeks I'm going to start about bare knuckle fighting. Brilliant. And about the history of it and how... It's an Irish thing anyway, you know, start, like mm. I remember growing up listening to my grandfather talk about Dan Donnelly, who was a Townsend man, who fought an English kind of un- unofficial world champion bare-knuckle fighter at the time in the Curra, in front of 20,000 people. Wow. And he was like a hero. He was like a William Wallace kind of bare-knuckle boxer, you know, yeah. who was a real Republican and around the time of Robert Emmett and those kind of people. And uh, he was a hero of mine. But I would have grown up listening to the stories of my grandfather telling me stories about him, Dan Donnelly. He wasn't a traveller, you know. Yeah. And then stories up there about John O'Sullivan and stuff like that, you know. But now it's actually legal. Bernicle finds the, like the yeah. world heavyweight champion is a traveller. Bobby Gunn, Scotch, Scotch traveller father and Irish traveller mother. Right. Um, and he was reared in Canada and New, New Jersey or something. And the the it was Knuckle was that the name of the Knuckle was on what, what, Netflix that, years did, ago yeah, yeah, did, yeah did that do more damage than anything yeah it did because that was like heavy about a feud and because mm. a lot of most fights aren't nothing that with a feud or a spur of the moment thing or the thing to get settled and it like all my fights like I, I talked to every fella I fought yeah you know what I mean so that wasn't the best example because that was something that's a feud that's gone on for the year. So it is as much about feuding as it was about bare knuckle fighting. Right. You know, right. I'm entertaining entertain it to the you know, the average settled person. We seen it all throughout the year, so it wasn't yeah. really it was just kinda of well edited and the filmmaker had his own agenda as well, you know. He definitely glamorized it. He okay. knew what he had in his hand, hands this sort of ultra violent Irish fighting Irish thing, you know, that Americans yeah. would lap up. Um, so it didn't really, it didn't do us any justice, but I can see it's an entertaining kind of documentary. Yeah, it wouldn't be like the type of documentaries that I make or like Megan, you know what yeah, I mean? Trying to make something that's an antidote, <laughs> you know what I mean? Not fucking the cause. <laughs> so the one that you're going to make, you're going to talk about the history of it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, also yeah. we're going to follow a fella because I've been asked to show fair play for a fight that's in a couple of months. Mm. So it's like a referee, something to do. I do it like I've been asked to do loads. I've done it loads of times. I just thought it'd be interesting to show from the start the fights in April to show them from the interviews show them training and then kind of maybe end the documentary on the fight not on the fair fight you know yeah. and then in between interview like legends of bare knuckle fighting and their kind of stories and 
and uh, yeah, different people, and then then kind of a subplot looking into the feuding and what's happening there as well, you know. But it's going to be specifically about the Bernard Void, like that's the bigger narrative. Given your your background in boxing, then would you ever be interested in sort of coaching kids or you know? I've, I'm doing that years. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I haven't. I have to admit, the last two years haven't done as much because it's just been so busy. So I've been up in my club. A lot, and any time I do go up, it's just to do my own bit of training. Where's your, what's your club? Darndale Boxing Club. Yeah, but I was for years doing it. Yeah, like I mean, I, I was doing it since my own boxing days when I hit, mm. when I, you know, old enough to just know what I was doing. I was doing it for years, training kids and cousins of mine, and that's any kid in the club doing yeah. pads and gladly doing it. I love doing it, you know. Love I'm it. starting to do a little bit of boxing with my nephews now, twenty five and six. Yeah, just there uh, because we were all in the gym, so I kind of made a little promise that I was just going to do a bit every Sunday with them. Just get them into it, you know. Love it. Um, you know the the, the documentary you're doing on Barry Knuckle. Like, what what is the result of it that you want? Do you want people? Is it the history of it, the lineage of it, or is it like <coughs> obviously people are well, uncomfortable uh, with it? Well, all my documentaries are opinionated. Yeah. Mm. So you're not going to get this well, fair, balanced documentary. You know, yeah. it's not going to be about that. It's going to be my opinion, my feelings, and. Um, so we're going to show the history of the origin of it, show that it's a really Irish thing, show that it's legal now, actually, in competition. It's, it's, it, where is, is it legal in Ireland? Yeah, it's elite. It, there's some, like a heavyweight belt. There's Beltsford. There's yeah. world champion, Bernacle Fighters now. Yeah. And uh, no, it's a few drivers involved that are like, the, as I said, the heavyweight champion is a driver. But it's a big, it, there's organisations for it. You know, yeah. it's legal now. So, um, yeah, just showing that. But um, showing that uh, most fights just end with a fight and and given my opinion, which is I totally 100% agree with it. Yeah. 100%. Like, there's no traveller has ever died in a bare knuckle fight. About two, uh, about 50 people every year die from boxing-related injuries. Mm. People die from MMA the whole time. Like, like you, there's some people there like in, who have such an ignorant point of view where they condemn bare knuckle fighting and that. Um, and then they cheer on Conor McGregor who's stamping people's heads in. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's a bit contradictory, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. And I just fucking cheer him on stamping people's heads in as well. Like, mm. I think it's far more dangerous than Bernard Fighting. No, this is it. it really like, is. I, mean, and I know it's something that we kind of touched on the podcast before. I'm one of them people that... You get into a rabbit hole. I do. I, yeah. like, fucking... De- death in sport, to me, is one of them things that... It happens in all sports. And yeah. some of them are avoidable and some of them are yeah. just tragic accidents. Do you know what I mean? But I mean, like... Fucking people climb Everest every year and yeah. die on Everest. Yeah. Mountain climbing is a sport, but you know what I mean. So yeah, like, but man, I, if you look at the talk about Joe Rogan talking about it and stuff, mm. where with the bear knuckle fight, look, it's different. It's it's different. First of all, there's no there's no time limit, right? So yeah. it can go on forever, you know. Like I I remember watching me too. I was meant to go and watch Damien Dempsey in fucking um, the concert hall. Yeah, and I had tickets and Damien was a good man of mine. I was dying to watch this gig. I was waiting for this gig for months, but it just so happened the day of the gig, my two brothers. I had two bare knuckle fights. Yeah. You know, I was spurring them on and stuff. And uh, my brother Joe's not even a boxer, but just a tough bastard. And his fight went for an hour and 45 minutes. What? And my, my brother's fight went for two hours and 55 minutes. Is there rounds? No, no rounds. That's the thing. And is it just it'll go until somebody says, <laughs> all right, I'm out? Someone says it's even enough or to get yeah. the draw or whatever. Oh, I can't wait for So, wait, this so I missed them. I missed um, Damien Dempsey's gauntlet over. Jesus. But... But I'm saying because there's no time limit, it's slower paced, you know? Yeah. And say a yeah. person who's not a fighting fan, look at most bare knuckle fights, they wouldn't like it. And a person who doesn't know about fighting, and he'd say, I'd mm. batter them and I'd beat them. I see all the comments the whole time, you know? 
they don't understand uh, like if they don't have a fighting brain so when you go out with no time limit you have to you have to you have to take your time first of all because you don't know when it's going to be and you're going to have paranoia with your fitness you know what yeah, I mean? because yeah. who knows what I need to do in this fight right second of all when you punch to the head you're putting yourself at serious risk to breaking your hand Mm. Uh, it's not like when you have gloves and a big huge bandage over you to protect you you can hit constant blows at boxing mm. that's why boxing is far more dangerous yeah. so you have either a bare knuckle or a light bandage so you're kind of you're not getting as much shots thrown to the head you know what I mean so much slower pace um, and it's it's more zap. it's more about bare knuckle fighting is more about mental strength than anything right. it's about who's willing to, to just go past their kind of limits and yeah. who's willing to stand there all day and play with like it's a lot of psychology involved when you're looking at each other's eyes man you get your two little little talent signs and when you get asked to do you want to draw what you say in that moment could be the difference between you win, win or losing the fight Yeah. so a good example of someone who might want to win the fight when someone goes do you want to draw goes no fuck no I'm giving no draw you know what I mean like they're determined they're going to win yeah. whereas the other fellow might be a bit quieter already he's lost a bit of a battle I've seen it myself with Sean Fairplay like I'll give you one example where there was this fight I was showing fair play for two fellows who wouldn't be very fit but kind of ex-boxers you know still handy but not very fit man I knew it wasn't lasting more than 10 or 15 minutes because the, the place I brought them to was a little country road mm. tiny lane so this was a war there was no hopping around for hours you know what I mean so this one fellow was on top for the fight and I asked for a draw I said you want to draw and that fellow says no and the other fellow was a bit quieter so the other fellow he gave a did he gave the, he got the advantage then? But then that fella started to lose his wind, and about ten minutes later, then I went, "Do you want to draw?" And that fella said nothing. And when you say nothing, that's the sign you want to draw. Do you know what I mean? Because you're not going to say straight up you want to draw. No one says that. Yeah. But when you say nothing, but then the other fella caught on to this, and he went, "The other fella taught himself, and now he's tired. Now we're not going to give him a draw." Mm. And the other fella went, "No," and the other fella ended up winning the fight because the fella showed his cards. He just said nothing, which was just saying, "I want to draw." Yeah. So you're showing your cards then, you know. So it's a battle of psychology constantly as well, you know. Things like that, you know, you have to be out of it. No, one if you want to stick in for the win, you know. It's fucking fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. It is fascinating. Yeah. When's the, when do you hope this documentary will be on? Next is couple it, of weeks are going to start, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, we're basically, we, we had to tie up a lot of things to make sure that we had certain content so we could go to RT or TV3 mm. with this is what we were going to do, you know. And uh, we've no problem, we're just waiting for the green light, but I'm sure it'll be... I'm sure we, we know about it. Yeah. Two options, and we, we're kind of guaranteed it. So the next few weeks we're going to start shooting, oh. and then hopefully summer. What are, are you? Any films around lined up? Work wise, is it? Is it? I can't get. I can't get an agent. Like no agent will represent me in Ireland. And I heard you talking about this on news talk recently. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know it's mad, man, because I gave loads of reasons, and they just went with one reason, and people started hacking me over it. John Connors can't get an agent because he's a traveller, right? What I said was, I did this interview. And they asked, and I said, I can't get an agent. And I didn't even try to get the agents. Mark Connor reached out to certain agents, top agencies, and asked them to represent me, and he wouldn't know interest. Now, to someone at home, they might go, so what, you're probably not good enough actor, this, that, and the other, right? If you looked at these ros- the rosters, they have some actors who can act, some who are in very sh- shit stuff, and some who have never even acted in a film. At this point, I've met about 15 or 20 films, TV shows, short films, documentaries, wrote, directed, you know what I mean? Like, uh, just on my CV alone. Awards. You should be able to get yeah, the awards, even the one. I should be able to get a top, top agent, right? And I can't. No agent will represent me, right? So, there's a few different things. I said, uh, being a traveler doesn't help me. 
100% that doesn't. Even my class alone, this is a big upper class industry. You know what I mean? Like, I don't get along with these people. I don't have nothing in common with these people. And if these industry things where you have to fucking uh, sell your arse around to people, like, I'm not, don't do that. Right, so that's number one, right? And number two, uh, I'm a proud Republican. Does not help. Up the rye all the way. I've never done saying it. You know, wearing long cash t-shirts on the late late, all that stuff. <laughs> it doesn't help me, you know. So, and I'm loud about it. Plus, but then, you know, there, uh, to be fair as well, my personality is getting so well known in the Irish public. That is not a good thing for an actor either. Mm. But it wouldn't be enough for an agent to turn you down. So there's kind of a combination of reasons. Now, I was going to like quit acting this year. I was like, think quit, quit or like, semi-retirement for a few years anyway and kind of focus have more have you ever had an agent never in my life no and, I've, uh, and I was offered agents in the past before I got really well known that's the ironic <laughs> thing you know yeah. um, so so I, I, I ended up kind of like saying I'm going to quit or semi-retire her and uh, maybe uh, you know constantly find something new you know I'm always like new challenges or, or maybe direct you know maybe direct more because I'm writing a lot I have a lot of stuff writing and there's I'm going to make some, a, few, a few films in the next few years if I ever get funding. But if we can fund cardboard, we'll fund anything. But uh, there was the morning I decided to quit that something happened. Now, I can't mention what the role is uh, because I signed a confidentiality agreement. I'll say it off air. But something mad, and I just went to a place by chance, and I bumped into this person, and uh, and uh, and this person didn't know me, and then when you're very familiar, and you look, hey, you're your man out of cardboard gangsters. And this person... Uh, is uh is located outside of Ireland, and it was just this role, this kind of dream role. That when I got into acting, I wanted to play a role like this, like a dream role that is completely meant for me. So that's going to happen. And then there's a couple of other things that are not really solid, solid uh, that I'm going to win. And so we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, but it's mad. Be like, like Jim Sheridan loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim is always bragging about me, guys. Any time I always slagging him, I am. Yeah, and you just. What are the responses you're getting, or Mark's getting, or whatever? Oh, just, oh, we've too many on our roster, and that kind of thing, you know? Um, like, and it's gas, because I looked at some of the rosters, and some of the actors were, like, extras in Carver Gangsters, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm the lead of the film, and right did all, I'm a director, you know? I mean, and like I said, like, to some people, some people listening are going to think I sound like a cunt. It's not that, it's just when you see the standard of people to represent, so I know their motives, I know. So I'm looking outside of Ireland now, you know? Mm. I think... I was always going to have difficulty here in Ireland anyway. I was like, I, Jesus, I'm suffering my whole life in this in this country. You know what I mean? My people are suffering. You know what I mean? So, uh, I, I, what are you, what are you going to do? You know, yeah. I was surprised they even got any of the nomination. Let's be honest, uh, because of the industry. You know what I mean? I'm is, very surprised. Is the ultimate ambition? Because I've heard you talking before about how you, you love there and you love where you're from. And you, yeah. You, and kind of you, you lived outside, but you wanted to get back into it. So when you're saying about getting like an agent from outside Ireland. Is the ultimate ambition for you to work beyond Ireland, or do you want to be based here, or or work beyond it but not live? Uh, like okay. it's not like years ago where you'd have to move to a place like LA, you have to move to LA, or even London. I don't know, people still do it mm. because nowadays you can do the self tapes auditions and you can send it anywhere. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so I would never live anywhere else and go. This is my home. I would test somewhere out for a while, not test it. Mm. I'd go somewhere and go. Right, I'll live here for a year. Right. But I would never, never go this me for life. I don't care if I didn't spend a year there and loved it. No way. What if you're given the keys to the Playboy Mansion? Hey, fuck the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> <laughs> this is Ireland. I love this place. Yeah. Love this place. So I, just, I could never leave it, man. I'd never leave it. And I, I just, I love my family around me, you know. Mm. So 
uh, they're everything. They're, there's all this, like, you know, the job, like acting is a job and all, of, all this stuff is a job. But, like, I love it. And I'm blessed to be able to even do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's more than a job, of course, but still nothing compared to my family. Like, so. Are you worried about not having an agent? You've got this far without one, like. Yeah, no, like, it's just that I was, I didn't even, it's mad because I really didn't even, like, Marguerite's down. I was like, okay, go for it, but it wasn't really even still. But then I was just surprised that. I just kind of knew it was the it was the, it was the time to kind of try to step up now, and ride the wave of Carver gangsters, you know, because it done so well, and I won fucking loads of awards and all that sort of thing. The momentum was right to kind of you know step it up. So then it was kind of disappointing to hear that we couldn't even get representation, you know. Mm. Um, in terms of the republicanism, mm. um, have you always been a republican? Yeah. 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 Basically, yes. I just remember my uncle talking to me about stuff when I was a child and. Like I just remember, I'd be even even my father would have been big into the ballads and big into rebel songs. Yeah. And then when he died, like just in the side where I lived, you know, every day you'd be hearing these songs, you know, from your grandparents and and I just fell in love with rebel songs and the stories of them, you know. Yeah. So then it naturally make you curious, you know. That's well, the, the history. Sinn Féin, though, they're they are the kind of well, them and I see people before profit. The two of them get behind the traveller community. Yeah. Is, is that a good thing? Like, is that, uh, sorry, not a good thing. Of course, it's a good thing. Was so you've always been Republican, regardless of. Oh yeah, no, yeah, regardless. That's of a bonus. Fain. Yeah, that's just a bonus. No, regardless of that, no. I, I learned a lot about Irish history through my grandmother, my grandfather, my uncles, and I had a lot of people involved in every Republican history throughout Ireland, like the, in the history of Ireland, like going back to the seventeen ninety eight rebellion. Yeah. Mm. My great 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 whatever it was, grandfather uh, Martin Ward. Uh, he built pikes and uh, he fought in Vinegar Hill, and then he, half his fam family were slaughtered and he retreated to um, to the woods. And it was like the Acorn people, you know. Uh, I think there were Acorns. Seventeen ninety eight. Yeah, seventeen ninety eight. Wow. And then I had people the involved. Then had people involved in uh, sixteen rise, the war of independence, the on the anti treaty side, and then also in just like the first world war and second world war too. So, so tell us in seventeen ninety eight how your your relative. Yeah, my ancestor. How would the travelling community have been uh, responded to in, back in 1798? Well, here's the thing. I, I did a three-part series where we looked into the kind of origin of travellers. Such a great documentary. Yeah. So at that time, they were just they were identified as thinkers, you know, just identified as thinkers, but they were involved in every Is war. Is that derogatory, thinkers? It, it now somehow has been allowed to become that, but my grandmother would call herself a thinker. Do you know what I mean? She'd go, I'm not a traveller. Like a traveller is a state-given name. Yeah. Like itinerant was. You know what I mean? Yeah. There were state-given yeah. names, you know, because, uh, and it was deliberate as well, because calling us travellers and then forcing us to settle was was them trying to, you know, get one over and us, like, okay, now they're, now they're settled, so we're taking their identity away from them. Whereas the word traveller does not encompass who we are as a people whatsoever. The travelling and nomadic lifestyle has been a great vehicle to which we can protect our culture and our culture is based in Gaelic Ireland, mm. all our mm. customs, you know. So that doesn't, we're minkir, that's what in our language we'd say minkir. And there's no translation, traveller is not the translation, mm. it's just who we are. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that word doesn't do us any justice. So my grandmother called herself a thinker and she'd be proud of it, you know. Wow. Yeah, so that's hundreds of years old. That, that documentary and the documentary when you travelled to the States, the mm. one in the States was just brilliant. Yeah. See the bit with Milo Yellow talking about Bobby Sands and he was there. Yeah, to cry yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was there, I was crying off camera there. 
and it, the, the thing after you know, the Native the, American like yeah, yeah yeah I was crying off camera because of how you know he was affected by Bobby Sands but I didn't want to make it about me and I got I kind of caught him when we were due to do it. he was like my guide around you know the place the res yeah. version the res but um, we were due to do an interview with him and I just caught him on the hop gave him the interview on the slide while they were preparing the the, um, the sweat lodge for me you know they were preparing it since like 6am so I just caught him on the hop and didn't tell him I was interviewing him just to get him get him off guard yeah. so he's not in a formal sort of you know because he was in a playful mood and got him there but um I was crying off camera myself, but I just stepped out, stepped out, so you didn't see me, you know. You didn't expect him to say that, did you? Uh, no, I did, yeah, I did, I did, uh, but I didn't expect him to get emotional. Right. He was telling me before, and then he got really emotional about it, then, you know. Um, and that's yeah, that's just, and then, like he said that that you know the the hunger strikers really made them go as a people, the Lakota people. Going, what the fuck are we doing here? We need to get serious about these people over here sacrificing their lives in the most painful way, and we're over here doing what? You know what I mean? So then they start getting armed and they fought the state. You know? What hope is there now for the Native Americans though? It just seems bleak. Jesus that's, man. That's on the outside looking in, like Jesus man, like really, really like It's gonna it's See, the thing is like with them is that compared to say the African American community, which I walked away feeling a bit hopeless too, except that I met some amazing activists, some Malcolm X type motherfuckers who were just People who would like inspire you, you know, and I met some of them as well. But the, the Native Americans, are, their culture is different. They're more laid back people, you know. Their population is much smaller than the African American population, and they don't have that that loud, vibrant sort of thing the African Americans have. They, you know, they've always had these great leaders mm-hmm. who are loud and they get out there and they're just so passionate. Charisma, yeah. And stuff the like Native that. Americans don't have that, you know. They just don't have that, and they're being decimated. Like them Lakota people were the poorest of all. Of all Native Americans, it's the poorest reservation, you know? Yeah. And they're being fucked over there. Like, they're diva council there that is ran mostly by these natives who are majority white, you know, mm. a little percentage fucking Native Americans. And what they do is they lease land, even though the land is meant to be for the people, right? They lease land to outsiders, white people, who can farm the land then, who are not employing any natives to work on the land. And they're making money out of it. This is an industry. Like, this it's, like, is a, it's like the Aboriginals. Yeah, exactly. Completely. And the natives can't get money. Right? They can't uh, stand up, start farming because they can't get a loan of a bank, off a bank because the bank is outside the res, which is technically another country, mm. even though they technically don't own their, their, their reservations either, the federal government do. But it's still in that status, so they can't get a loan out of a bank because there's no banks on the res. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, All yeah. there is on the res is one shop, one shopping centre, um, Pizza Hut, Subway and a community hall on the whole reservation, which is about the size of Cork. The yeah. reservation, and there's 30,000 people, and there's like 15 police. It's crazy, it's fucking mad, mad, isn't it? It's absolutely fucking mad. Um, how, how do you find social media these days? <clears throat> Are you enjoying it, or I can't, like, I can't. It's like, I suppose with cardboard gangsters as well, like, there was obviously negative, yeah. I had to promote that. I just, yeah, I use it as promotion and political rants. You know what yeah, I mean? mm. That's what I do. I try not to read comments anymore. You know? I was going to say, because like, <clears throat> you would have been probably tagged in a lot of cardboard gangsters so yeah. it was on TV3. Yeah. You would have, I know, I'd, I think I congratulated you on a if the if the nominee and someone tweeted, shit film, shit actor. Yeah, do you know what happened with the cardboard as well? A lot of them, um, I seen, there was, amazing, like about 90% of it was, was positive. But to say the 10, uh, out of the 10% that was negative, Half of that came from um, the baggage of me being in it as well. 
So people who didn't like uh, the Travers Right stuff, because there were people who pointed out, oh, that knacker, and then again, whatever, you know. So there was a lot of that. So there was a lot of people who didn't like the film or didn't even want to watch the film because I was in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I do have a lot of trolls. There's a lot of trolls who mm. troll me regularly every single day. I'm just going good to deal with them now. I don't really. I remember starting off and I got a bit of fame. It was like these fellas used to get into my head, like, you know, get me mm. depressed. Because there was such, the, the volume was like, you know, I'm getting hundreds of, of mails a week yeah, yeah. calling me names and, the, you know, about my description, my weight, pikey, knacker. And it was getting it was getting in on me, like, it was depressing me a bit. Mm. And I'm prone to depression anyway, I've battled with it all my life. But now, uh, now it kind of, um, it empowers me now, we're like, yeah, like uh, I don't know what it is. It just makes me, uh, makes me want to just, you know, go on the attack more. It's mad, the, the, the whole troll thing, I remember when we had uh, Jess Kelly on mm. um, a while ago. She's a tech correspondent for News Talk. Yeah, yeah. Um, and her new show actually just started as well, it's on every Sunday evening on News Talk, but um, she described something similar, that like she'd never really experienced a troll before, and then all of a sudden this one bloke really fucking got to her. Like, yeah. I said it did, because she didn't know how to like, it, he d- was, deal with her. He remarked on her appearance and all, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was just being a fucking lout. So like, nothing to do with technology. You know, uh, well, he did, I, think, I think she said he did, he started to like be like, oh, what would a girl know about, or some shit like that, you know what I mean? And it's just when you're saying like that, mm. you know what I mean, people are just... And I would say that they're probably only fucking seeing it in one thing. And yeah, just, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Decided it's mad. The, some people, I don't know where they're coming from. They must be really sad people. There's yeah. one there's one fellow who was like, every day he was like, like anything a tweet that he criticised. And uh, Knacker, Pikey, this, that, and the other on Twitter. And I just kept tagging Enar, which is like the National Racism Anti-Network, whatever. Mm. And um, I screenshotted everything just in case. Just to annoy him as well. Because I kept going, don't, don't bother deleting of the screenshots, you know. Yeah. And uh, everything, and then I went on to the, the Tonight Show on TV3. And, um, this with John Burton? Yeah, with the John Burton thing. And he started tweeting me like real positive things, though. Because, like, he hated me traveler politics, but then when I was kind of taking up for, you yeah. know, working class people or whatever, or people from different disadvantages, then he was on my side. And I was like, cheeky, like, it's all. <laughs> I'll just shut him out and don't talk about traveler politics. Now. What was just, that experience like on the Tonight Show? Like, I, I tell you what, right? Yeah. I was watching it and I didn't know who the panel was. I'd, just yeah. see, I'd see the two presenters, Yates and, and Cooper, talking. Yeah. And then it went from the back to the top and I had Joe and Brute and I was like, Jeez, I haven't seen her in ages. And then it comes up John Connors. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, what are they putting John Burton, Bruton, Burton? Burton, Burton yeah. on a panel with John Connors for what was it like yeah. before you went live or well, did you even, introduce yourselves or yeah well look it was a very like what some people that said the critics of that the kind of right wing cunts don't realise that it was a ver- it was this was very deliberate by me everything was deliberate you know like deliberate by, by who by me everything okay, I yeah, said yeah. the way it was deliberate like I didn't have nothing rehearsed but my, my intentions were very deliberate to mm. not go on and get in this rigmarole and get caught up talking about these different policies or whatever to go on and literally troll them like I said it at one point I said like I wanted I'm trolling these people like someone at the television they're shouting on the television I'm essentially that person that's what I want I come on there to do and just to tell them directly what they are which is psychopaths so we met in like the green room beforehand and um, they're real nice you know and I said ah look you know it's gas you all seem really nice here I said but I says when we go out there so I'm going for you like you know I don't care how nice we're being here because I, I, I don't like any of you and uh, so I went and said all that and then like in between the breaks were the funniest because the odds went really quiet and I was just laughing I was like <laughs> this is the most fun I've ever had in the television so what was um, Yates and Cooper like to you on the break uh, they were sound enough yeah. you know what I mean yeah. I, I'd clash with Yates anyway just politically but he was to be fair mm. he was sound 
He was sound. He did it. At one point, he was saying, you're doing well, but I, was, I think I was very patronising mm. doing well. I don't think he liked uh, the way in which I was conducting myself. Yeah. But Matt was, Matt was sound. Like, uh, I've done interviews with Matt before, and he's, you know, he's a bit of a lefty, so yeah, I, yeah. I'd have no bother with him, you know. He, but I, I, I got the phone call, and I said no to go on it. And then she rang me back saying, like, I said, well, who's the panel? And she said, Joan Burton. I said, yep. <laughs> no, but that was it then. It was just like, okay, I'll do it. I was in kind of a bad mood as well going on, you know what I mean? So mm. I was just like, I didn't give a fuck. Like, not a flying fuck. Yeah. And the only thing I knew I was going to say was at some point, I'm going to get into the, the, the Jobstown thing. Mm. That was the only thing. Like, uh, what you do, like, trying to fucking, um, try to um, get a, a, a minor. Yeah, prosecutor. Yeah. Trying to get a minor jail for... For something he never done, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then it's a young fella trying to ruin his life. Uh, that was the only thing I knew I was going to get in. So once I got that opportunity, and I was happy, you know. Did you say anything like post interview or? No, it was very silent. Walk. They were very silent, and I was uh, I like deliberately was very loud. I was like laughing. I was like, that was great. Call me back anytime, and then all this kind of because we're walking mm. in kind of a line, and they were just really quiet to treat him. Do you think just because you touched on there that you wouldn't necessarily agree with? Their, their politics would be the same nice or anything like and do you like d- just uh, today or this week when people listen to it Micheál Martin uh, came out in support of Repeal the 8 mm. and there's oh, a, like mm. I, I've never agreed with Fianna Fáil or Micheál Martin in my life but all of a sudden I'm like alright now fair fucks to them I can't really fault them there kind of thing do you know what I mean see, so like, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm not looking forward to this uh, no, campaign neither, neither am I I think it's going to be fucking nasty like but just you know what I mean like after sitting down with them and fair enough but it sounds like you had to crack do you know what I mean but yeah. like do you see any kind of redeeming features in them or do you like I know you've used the term psychopaths in suits is that kind yeah. of what you, what you just say and, and now you're well, kind of well, like genuinely if you look at there's been long term studies done on this in many mm. different countries and uh, politics is like the second or third most popular profession that psychopaths gravitate towards Absolutely, yeah. Because of people's hands in your lives. You know what I mean? Your policies could change in people's lives and kill them and they kind of get their buzz out of that. I just feel really detached from those people. Mm. You know what I mean? And uh, that's why I support Sinn Féin and people who are profit as well. Um, because they're more like activists than politicians. Like, politician right. is a dirty word to me. And if you look at Joan Burton, who's Labour, and what's like, she's Labour. James Connolly mm. was Labour. And she's Labour. And the policies that she brought in the cuts that she made and who she attacked and beat disabled people she was uh, residing over the government to cut travel or accommodation by 94% which no doubt resulted in mines to an extent and mm. loads, loads so she did brought in all these anti-labour kind of policies and whatever she's worse than the Blairites so like if, if you can't even trust labour yeah. you know what I mean look at Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are just two cheeks of the same arse two right wing fucking you know, like Fianna Fáil are meant to call themselves the Republican Party, which is funny. So Fianna Gael do as well, don't they? No, no, no. no. Fianna, 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 Fianna Gael are naturally West Brits. Like, uh, if, yeah. you're, if there's any West Brits out there, they're going to vote Fianna Gael. He's a West Brit. <laughs> no way. <laughs> rugby I'd fan, be, West Brit. Yeah, no, I... Oh, because you're a rugby fan, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be... I describe myself more as centre-left. Ever since we started doing the podcast, I've turned you left. Well, centre-left well, doesn't, doesn't turn you to a West Brit, like... No, but I'd... Well, to wind well, we him had Richard Boy Barrett on the podcast. He was like, I'm voting him the next... Hang on, now, that's an exaggeration. Well, what I said was, he won't get a number one or two of me, but he's gone from never being on me ticket to being on me Who's ticket. Who's your number one? Um... For well, it Nowadays. was it was once upon a time Eamon Gilmore and yeah. Ian Eamon screwed the pooch and yeah, I couldn't yeah. even bring myself to look at him. Yeah. Um in the last election in the last election 
I actually I don't think I did vote for Ine Gael actually for, for, like, he didn't not in the last one he no didn't. I like I'd grown up on my life sort of saying Fianna Gael Labour Fianna Gael Labour you know Is that I mean? a family thing? Um, Labour's a family thing la- Labour's a family thing yeah like my ma would have worked alongside Why Fianna Gael Labour because they're they're opposites they're ver- especially back then they would have been opposites Yeah they, they are opposites but I just like when I came of age to vote it was just off the back of Fianna Fáil fucking everything up yeah. and in my head I was like but you sound like the, 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 that's an accent class but you sound working class oh yeah it would be yeah, yeah. so why would you vote Fianna Gael who were obviously against your interests your interests completely I yeah look working class I don't I don't really subscribe into the whole you know working class thing in terms of there is parties you know, that 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 um, that do pander to different classes of people and Fine Gael pander to middle class people and farmers mm. whereas they don't with working class people and it's working class people are getting hit the most with policies and cuts that yeah. that Fine Gael introduce mm. so it would definitely go against uh, your interest voting for them if you're working class or if you have a working class income I know you I know, yeah, and that's why, as we said, like I didn't vote last yeah, week. Yeah, and yeah. Now, you know, I was just curious. <laughs> that, yeah, you know. This, and, um, unfortunately, we live in Finnegal country. Yeah, we did. Like, yeah, is, around here it would yeah, be. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, it yeah, yeah. And um, it's mad, like because I've always and it's something I've always said to Marrow is that like I don't think I could bring myself to 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 vote for Sinn Fein with Jerry there, yeah. and um, especially while there's the whole. Thing of them just blanketly being like, oh, no, he was never in the rack. He was never. It's like so. What? What? Give me the Jerry Adams problem. It. it I honestly got right. If yeah. Sinn Fein came out tomorrow, they're like, yeah, all right, he wasn't the lad. Sorry, he was. Yeah, like, well, he's gone now like, anyway. But say even the problem with Jerry himself was because he was in the IRA and or just because denied he did it. it. Just, just, just denied, denied it. it. And just, I just feel it's now like. But you know it wasn't. I mean? It was past the sort of. Uh, what you know, there was an opportunity at one point to. Um, for everyone to, to kind of admit their past, but it went beyond that for Jerry. That like if he admitted he was incriminating, he was incriminating himself. Yeah, I think so. And like with Martin, even Martin McGuinness was, you know what I mean. Like I mean, Martin is the yeah, great. Yeah, because he kind of hit that point where it was the moment of time where you could admit and whatever. He was mm. openly all the time anyway. Mm. You know. Um, where, do you Jerry, where do you stand as a Republican? I'd be a Sinn Féin and be before a profit voter. Mm. <coughs> where do you stand as a Republican too. with yeah. with Jerry Adams um, with Danny's point? Should he should he have if he was in the RA should he have admitted it or was no, he not? No, no, I don't think so. No, no. Um, I, because he was incriminating himself. That was made clear at one point. Like he didn't have the opportunity to do it and and be and get immunity, so mm. I wouldn't have done it anyway. But if I say he was in the IRA, say he was in the IRA, everybody thinks he was in the IRA. Makes me like him even more because <laughs> I was I am a supporter of the I, the struggle. Provis- yeah, the provisional IRA. To me, we're heroes. Mm. I mm. think they're even possibly bigger heroes than the IRA of the War of Independence or the Republicans of the 1916 Rising because they were facing the, the British Empire as well as facing uh, the majority of their own country and the Irish Free State Government as well. You know what I mean? So, so I, you understood you understood their struggle more than the 16 struggle? Not understood. I'm saying that they're possibly even greater heroes in a way because they were also fighting the, the Irish Free State. Okay. As well as the British Empire, so they go down south and then they get locked up and put in Port Leash, and you know what I mean. So, to me, they were heroes. Um, you know, I mean, it's, I thought it's the culture I was born in that I thought that was normal. You know, now you can go back and you go, well, John, do you justify this bombing or that bombing? Mm. No, I don't. I don't when innocent people are being killed. But let's just be like, let's simplify it all, and let's let's just say it's very simply, which we should never simplify these sort of conflicts. But let's be very <laughs> simple. The Brits came over here. 
<clears throat> they never came over here and none of this shit would be going on. They came over here 800 years ago. They raped, robbed, pillaged, enslaved, and murdered, as Damo would say in Connolly. You know, um, the outlawed language, songs, culture. Mm. Um, and, it, and it never stopped when we got our free state status originally, uh, nearly 100 years ago. And up north, he never got that. So mm -hmm. uh, we just forget about them and go, right, you work your way up there. You're with a Protestant majority and uh, you're second-class citizens and you can't get housing, you can't get unemployment and you're discriminated against in every single way. And then war comes to your door and what are you supposed to do? You know, we're, and we, we, we then down south go start judging these people for fighting back. You know, yeah. uh, and the dirty tactics that the British were using for hundreds of years, and then they go back and they start getting sophisticated and they really well trained and and uh, we're finding out more and more stuff as well about the collusion. The collusion, yeah, with the, particularly yeah. with the Miami show. The Charlie Hyde thing was crazy, wasn't That's it? Fucking mad. What the fuck? When you said that to me after, I couldn't. I was like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah, I read no, it, I was like, when I was saying that, that I was like, what I thought was, if that happened, what would that have? Done. Well, why, what why, would that have meant? What, why? Mm. Why did I wanted to know why did they find Charlie High as a threat? Was it because well, he, was, he did he did run on the Republican ticket? He embraced mm. it because. Well, he was he was planning to the, the his, yeah, six because of the arms thing that he was that happened years before. So he went, no matter what, I'm never going to get away from that. So now I'm just going to start embracing the Republican thing and of you know parents from Derry or his mother was in Derry and he didn't like uh, so he brought Patrick. all the and yeah during the yeah, of course during the pro during that time the, the support was rising from especially with working class people for Republicans but like, like to assassinate him yeah crazy isn't it like what the fuck mad sure imagine that, if it happened that, that seems to be the fucking carte blanche you know oh we don't like that it seems to be like the superpowers that's it, that's their go to thing it's if assassination look, but I mean sure look at what America tried to do with, with um uh, uh, Cuba, um, Castro. Castro, yeah. Look at how many times they tried. Like, I mean, I think that man had so six hundred times, over yeah. six hundred times. Yeah. You know what I mean? Over how many times? Over, over six hundred times. Six hundred times. Like what? they tried to poison him with cigars. They tried to like fucking. His food has to be tested and all. I mean, his food mm. had to be every even the uh, Raul. I didn't know the number was over yeah, six hundred. Yeah. I mean, look at yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then I mean, look at fucking Russia. What? They killed all them South American. I'm convinced that the CIA killed all them South American socialists. There was four of them that died of cancer. They were yeah. all anti-American who uh, who um, uh, publicised their oil companies and, and uh, got rid of all the private companies that were American-led and American-backed. Yeah, yeah. And Hugo Chavez was one of them. Yeah. And uh, they all died of cancer, mm. which can easily just be contaminated with cancer. It's easily done. Yeah. And CIA are known of doing things like that through food poisoning and whatever. Did you ever see that the, the revolution will not be televised? Uh, Kim Barty, do you remember my documentary I Am Traveller yeah, and the yeah. American ones? She directed that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, she directed yeah. uh, Revolution Web Devils. You have to oh, see I it. See it. Wow. Seen it. It's on YouTube, man. Yeah. Check it out on YouTube. The full thing is it's fucking, fucking crazy. Up, like it's exhilarating. Like there's a, she's in she's in the house with 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 Chavez while the military American back coup happens mm. and they come in and take him and she's in the room with a camera. She stayed there for like a year and a half. And with it's a on camera. YouTube. Yeah, the yeah, full thing's yeah. on YouTube, yeah. yeah. Like, it won everything. It won every award, and fucking, uh, it was going to be going for the Oscars, but something got to do with the producer fucked it up, I think, mm. because they didn't release it at a certain point. It's all about when you release it over in America. But uh, it was mad. She, she told me, um, she flew to C Cuba to show the film to Castro. He was good friends with, uh, who was good friends with Chavez. And um, he was going to... Um, he was he was just blown away by it. And he was I want to show this film to everybody tomorrow in Cuba, mm. and she was like, "No, you can't. Like I've legally can't because we certain release date and blah 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 blah. And if a company involved, and he wouldn't take no for an answer. He was like, "Listen, you can't do this. You don't understand. This is mess up my career. You know." 
Jesus. And um, he wouldn't take no for an answer. So she rang Chavez, who she was good friends with then at that point because yeah. she was travelling with him for or living around him for a couple of years, yeah. you know, doing the documentary. And he had to get on the phone to, to Castro and say, listen, you can't do that. Look, this whole kind of dictator thing, we'll, this, this is only backing it up, you know what I mean? Yeah. So she finally got, it didn't get, you know. How the hell have I not watched that? It's unbelievable, man. Oh, man. Kim, I want to ask um, you about um, how, how do you battle with your mental health and your depression? <coughs> I find that when I'm at, when I'm in my best state mentally is when I'm exercising, I'm eating well, and staying away from drink. Okay. Because they're all the things that just drag me in, you know. Because I'm mm. an all in or all out person, like, like I'm just go violently into something and out. Yeah. So is that with everything. Yeah, yeah, and it's the thing that I'm trying to change. Like it's one of the things I'm recognised in myself that I'm trying to change. I try to be one of the moderate people, you know. But when I drink, I drink hard. You know, I go for benders. When I smoke, I smoke fifty a day. You're off the smokes now. I'm off to a couple of weeks, yeah. So my advice is all fucked, it's detoxing. No cravings. Yeah, and then eating junk food like constant, you know what I mean? Like I remember I gained, like I gained eight stone in about like eight stone or 12 months upon time from Mm. when I kind of stopped exercising. But then when I get into it, like I'll give an example, so I started this year and then I started the year with a three and a half day fast and I've been on a ketogenic diet since. And like doing an hour and a half cardio every day. So like I kind of go all in or all out. You did a fast. Yeah, I did a train a half day fast, yeah, say 84 hours. Because, like, if you do a 72 hour fast, what happens is your stem cells die and they get replaced by new stem cells that are far more powerful. So you get an immune system boost. And for the last year and a half, I was suffering with my stomach uh, with acid reflux and gastroditis. Um, and I just had a, literally like a constant pain in the stomach for a year and a half mm. to the point where it's just normal but your stomach health is directly connected to your mental health and all new studies have shown that so I said I have to do something to attack that so uh, I, I kind of googled ways to do the, the natural cures I'm into the kind of natural cures I don't do antibiotics anymore or anything like that so, oh, antibiotics um, are fucking they kill you Jesus, you just knock the shit out of you so I did a three and a half that fast I didn't like I was only doing the 72 hours to activate that sort of thing working in the body but then it was like 11pm at night so and I'll just wait until tomorrow at 11 that'll be three and a half days so yeah. I did that yeah so you starving uh, once I kind of hit around like 60 hours it was grand yeah up until then I was hungry yeah for 60 hours you were starving yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but yeah. I, I like challenges like I, it, mm. I to me like that's anything where there's a uh, where there's like something where I have to overcome it or it's a mental challenge. I, it'll never get the better of me. Yeah. You know, yeah. I just won't allow it. You know what I mean? I just won't allow it. I love that. That's mad. You know, I love that challenge, you know, and I love that urge that I want to, I want to eat and I'm just not doing it. I not know people that. did fast. Oh, I had to oh, fast for an operation every four Fast is the disturbing. big thing now, man, for health. Yeah. Huge, in, huge. Intermittent fasting, what? yeah. And I, I'm now I'm intermittent fasting as well. Now yeah. I only eat, I only eat within like a six hour window. Yeah. Every day now, since then. That's intermittent fasting. The benefits of fasting is unbelievable. I've never heard of this. You're, it uh, it kills your insulin level. Your in- insulin levels, like it, it keeps them down. So if you spike your insulin, your insulin goes up and then you gain fat easily and you get disease easily, basically, right? So it keeps your, your, your insulin down. It spikes your human growth hormone. Um, so you, if you do like fast for 24 hours, your human growth hormone is working at 2,000%. And your human growth hormone is anti-aging, attacks wrinkles your hair, your eyes, strengthens everything, your bones. Um, so it's like the fast, is even intermittent fasting, kind of the lowest one you do is within eight, eight hours mm. and keep it at the same time every day. 
Um, but then tying it in, like I was doing it at four hours one time. I was doing the one meal a day for a while as well. Um, and it's just to watch it feel is amazing. And you're like all the bad things you get from eating constantly. Like we're taught three meals a day. But that originated from America in the 1950s where big farming started to happen. And yeah. that was all about advertisement. You get your three meals a day. Whereas humans weren't used to three meals a day. Like hunter-gatherers bought it every two two days. And that's why they did so much muscle. You're them. like Danny. You go into rabbit hole with these things, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get obsessed. I'm completely obsessed. Obsessed with that kind of thing. Were yeah. you listening to Rogan talk about this recently, were you? Yeah, the kinogenic diet. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So once everything he's done it, but I also went to this there's this really cool fellow who's kinda helped me big time. Um mm. Dr. Eric Berg. And he's a big um proponent of intermittent fasting, fasting yeah. uh, and the ketogenic diet. But 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 just um, the healthy uh, the nature solution to everything, the nature cure to everything, yeah. and he says, for every everything that um, for every disease nature caused, nature created a cure. You yeah. know, so he'd always you know like even things like growing hair more, growing your hair back. Well, you need to get more vitamin A, you know, and things like uh, getting fluids. You need to get more vitamin D, and it it doesn't come from the cold. It comes from the lack of vitamin D mm. in the winter when you don't have sun. You know what I mean? Not the cold yeah. itself, because cold actually kills bacteria. You know what I mean? So we're telling you all the natural nutrients that you need to achieve whatever you want. You know what I mean? Dr. Eric it's, Berg, it's a cool yeah. dude. Yeah, I, I, just, up, yeah. I just subscribe to his channel and just watch his videos every day. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just reciting the shit. Come here, I loved your uh, interview with Tommy Tiernan on the Tommy Tiernan show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You I loved that. I loved it myself. I was going to say, it was one of the most relaxed I've seen you. It's the most enjoyable I've done because I didn't get attacked immediately when I went out, you know. And yeah. I didn't expect to be attacked because. Um, Does he definitely not know who the. No, I mean, percent didn't know, no. I did. Um, this thing at the mansion that was for the 16 Rising and I was like uh, Stephen Ray you know the actor yeah, he yeah. was um, he was the director of the, the the event where actors would go up and do monologues and uh, comedians would go up and do a bit and then a singer would sing and, and all these celebrities and Finula Flanagan and Tommy Dernan and it was huge huge was he married to Donald Lunny a big rawhead Stephen Ray he was yeah and he yeah. was a Protestant background and married a rawhead yeah. yeah and a rawhead himself like very big uh, as a border of the uh, the provisional IRA even though he's Protestant working class yeah. but it was this big thing that he set up so loads of these big huge stars was there and he asked me to do that I know I was just a token traveller to go in and do bits because you know inclusive Ireland you know but I just said yeah but um, at the end they'd be doing monologue and I went uh I'm not just doing some big stupid fucking monologue. To be or not to be, but it is noble in the mind to suffer. I just knew the audience would hate that shit. And he did, because when I was there, I was watching actors doing seven-minute monologues. I was like, this is, like I was falling asleep. And I was just there, and all the performers were up on the balcony looking down in the match, and I was, and I was just getting drunk. I didn't give a fuck. So I just said, I'll sing a song instead. And I said, I'll do a poem. So um, I read this poem, which was about um, a traveler boy who went through this, this place called um, Shutter House. And then, um, Shorter House was a traveller-only home because there were so much travellers that was in uh, in uh, homes in the industrial shoes in the 70s, so many were being taken away to kind of create one less in the, in the itinerant class, which was like one of the policies that, um, like, place was not refusing travellers, so they created this traveller-only home. This fellow McGuinness, Dominic McGuinness, who was Scottish, no background check, along with the Catholic Church, created this place. And he, he basically picked out a paedophile ring, and it was a paedophile ring for years, and he just raped travellers. This little boy went in there and he went raped and raped, raped, raped. But he ended up being a rapist himself. He raped his nurse, went into prison. And then he was in a prison with a, in the cell with a paedophile. Found out he was a paedophile and killed him. And then he was in a cell another day by himself. And uh, they were shown, um, during the break of the Late Late Show, they were showing an advertisement for the Sunday World. And one of them, Paul Williams or whatever, nicknamed him the Beast Collie. 
so he killed himself in a cell over it was really tragic life you know so this um, uh, social worker it's a big intro I'm giving you here but the social worker um, Mervyn Ennis wrote a poem about him and Mervyn used to see him knew him as a kid and when he, when he, before he got put in a home and when he was innocent you know and then how he became and then he visited him for years but he wrote a poem about him a really touching poem you know so I read that poem for this really sort of hello sort of audience and they were like oh shit and then I sang a song that was written about my great grandfather Paddy Ward um, who was shot dead by a landowner and the landowner had done six months of prison in 1942 they wrote it and I sang that and my god a huge great reaction so I met Tommy Tiernan after that and he just said to me geez I loved you know what you know and whatever and I said man I'm a huge fan of yours forever you know yeah. so then he asked me on the show and I said 100% but he didn't know it was me so the researcher asked you on the show yeah yeah <clears> because I think what happens is that when they started when they were starting off before they get any guests he just throws out the subjects he's interested in so one of the subjects was Travers do you know what I mean so that's why I get pulled into it like because he's had kind of a lifelong fascination with Travers but mm. never really knew any you know uh, I've met a lot of people like that so um, yeah, I knew it was going to be cool because I met him before. He's a cool dude, and he's an empath, you know. Ah, he's brilliant. And he struggles with mental illness show. himself. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. say it again. He struggles with mental illness himself, you know. I like. Yeah. I think he's diagnosed bipolar or something. He, you know? I think. Yeah, he I doesn't think drink I heard him, or do what anymore. Yeah, I think I heard him talking about it before. I think I didn't know he's bipolar. Was it one, yeah. of his, one of his tours or something he's doing where he said like that? The day of the show or whatever, he would literally just go walking for fucking hours, and he he didn't write any material. He didn't do anything. He'd literally just go fucking walking. And he'd go on stage and whatever he seen that day or came across that day, he just ad lib material about that. And he said, and that was almost like his way of yeah. getting the But he's a brilliant improviser. Ah, fucking unbelievable, man. There was a bit in the show that got cut out because, um, you know, it's only 12 minutes or whatever, so you can't put mm. everything in. Mm. But you seen he was slagging me and I was slagging him back a bit yeah. or whatever. But there was a bit where I had him really good. Uh, he was slagging me and he was like, you know, I really... Uh, I love traveller women. I'd love a traveller. And I would hang on there. I have a traveller woman there in the audience. There because of But there's her husband. And I was like, and he was going to get me. And I stood up and I went, come on now. Come on, you'll have to fight him for her. And I said, I'll show fair play. And I jumped up out of the seat. I was a walk towards the be cousins and all. But that got cut out. That was a bit of banter. But uh, Do you think it could be done live, that show? 100%. Yeah, I think yeah. it should be done live. be way more exciting. I think and it's already really exciting to look at. But I think, I think he's a great host. Mm. Look, if you look at like the shite hosts we have on telly, mm. right? Yeah, come on, he blows everybody away. Definitely. You know what I mean? And it makes it interesting, you know. And you he's think, not, he's not he afraid to he's not afraid to say what you're thinking. No, what yeah. no. he's not. That's what, he's he, not, that's what he does. Do. And he's not afraid yeah. to say something that he knows may not be the popular question. Yeah, and he'll touch on stuff even like you know stereotypes and stuff like he did it with mm. me and he did it with the Muslim fella. But he doesn't mean them. It's just poking a bit of fun there. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I was slagging him back. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have to kind of roll with the punches there. Absolutely, you know? yeah. Mm. We, it's about, with yourself and the Muslim lad. Yeah. Like, that was yeah. hilarious. Yeah, 100%. The Muslim lad, like, he's like, you're not going to blow up, are you? Yeah, yeah. Like, but what? you could see he was genuinely interested in the religion and in the culture. Do you think politically correct, political correctness has gone mad? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 100%. It's disgusting me. And, and even just like, um, this whole thing, like, uh, look, I'm a lefty, I'm a liberal, if you want to call me. Um, but it's kind of becoming a dirty word for me, liberal, because I, I, like, I'm, I almost ashamed to say I'm a liberal because some people are just taking things to an extreme. Yeah. You know what I mean? To an and then also there's the fake liberals. Uh, in Ireland, I'm talking about more specifically the liberals who um, who who uh, would talk about Palestine or whatever and then they'd still call knacker and pikey and don't realise it's sort of what we got you. So I got them. But outside of that, like liberals worldwide 
like this whole thing with it. Like I posted a thing today about this new line of dresses for men. And I look, I just don't give a shit. I'm being straight up honest here. I'm a man who's in touch with me, feelings, very open-minded, all that kind of stuff. But I, I like men to dress like men and women to dress like women. Now, they can go and do whatever they want, 100%, but I'm still allowed to comment on that. A lot of people start kind of, you know, we're not really not happy about it, you know? And then, like, this whole thing of, like, the schools in Australia where children are not allowed to identify as their their their, their birth uh, yeah. gender. Mm. Like, they're not, if they're born a boy, they're not allowed to say a boy. And they're not allowed to call someone else a boy or a girl because they haven't yet decided if they're a boy or a girl. That is bollocks. Fuck off. If someone knows they're going to find out later, if they know they really want to be a woman or they think they're a woman, let them find that out later in life. The setup we already have now. You, but you can't the, mess really with science. But to be telling kids that, that you're not a boy or you're not a girl, you know what I mean? Mm. That's uh, all that shit like. And then to criticize, when you criticize that, then you're. Uh, so, what backgrounds are criticizing you? Like left? Yeah, all yeah. oh, lefties completely for that kind of stuff. I've been ripped apart for that kind of stuff. And even, I'll tell you, give you another example, right? I did, uh, there was a video uh, of this right-wing crazy cunt doing interviews with repealers, right? Right, regardless of your position, right? Um, and some of, the, some of the repealers really turned my guts, if I'm being honest, mm. because they would look past everything for to just prove their own point. Yeah. 100% listen, like, what you're doing, you believe, grand, but don't disregard everything, right? And so... Did this video? This since showed this video where one of the girls was asked a question: Would you be okay with with um, abortion up until the day before the birth? Yeah, it's the women's. And what about the day of? Yeah, well, it's up to the woman. It's not up to, it's up to the woman. And two or three said that. And I imposed some some. I I know this is a heavily edited video. I said something like that. I know your man has his own agenda, but what the fuck? These mm. women are psychos. You know what I mean? Like we need more education. Blah blah blah. I got. A, I'd say it started a big rant going on, but there was about five hundred comments by the end of the day. Women ripping me apart, and I didn't even let them know me. Like not just assuming automatically that uh, I had to be pro life anyway, mm. but by just even criticizing that, right? Mm. I completely ignoring the points I made. Completely ignoring. I'm just jumping on, just hating on me over it, and, and just being sick, being yeah. all around sick yeah. about. It. So I don't know. Like if you if you're not and if you're not like vehemently for for it. If you're not vehemently pro-choice and you don't declare it in every single moment, you will be attacked. You know, yeah. there's, there's a lot of stuff in, in relation to all that. They're yeah. just getting pissed off it. Do you, you know what I mean? Uh, you can't seem to say nothing now. You won't yeah. get away. Like, and I, I, I hate people who use it as excuse. You know, the PC, the hate PC culture to to the sky and say racism, whatever. That's wrong. Mm. No matter what, because like, there's people that. Yeah, you so know, I was going to say, what the hell do you feel about Trump then? Because people mm, no, say he's going too far you know what I mean like uh, look look, I, I, I hate even hating on Donald Trump because it's so unoriginal now yeah, yeah. you know what I mean people who hate on Donald Trump on Twitter I unfollow them mm-hmm. yeah. because they're going fuck off you fucking agent you cop onto yourself just mm. easy now once it's not unless you can come up with something extremely original or smart or witty I don't yeah. want to hear it if it's got to do with Trump yeah. you know what I mean just stop feeding the monster he's yeah. getting bigger and badder and he loves it yeah. you know what I mean I'm yeah, I'm leaning towards everything you're saying. Like it's it's one of them things that I I fucking hate this idea of and it's that kind of fake liberal thing you're talking about yeah. where it's this idea of kind of like yeah, no, unless you're gonna one hundred percent support or agree with our point, then we're going to attack what your Completely. point is. Which goes against everything that a liberal should be. meant to be standing for. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't necessarily They're much worse than the right in, term, in that, in that criticism. And also, way more divisive within the left. Like, yeah, like yeah. The, if you're not my kind of lefty, fuck you. <laughs> if you're yeah. not a radical anarchist, 
fuck you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or you're too left. Or you know what I mean? It's one mm. way or the other. You know what I mean? Well, or if you know the things about the lefties that annoy me the most, if you have one position that is deemed to be a traditional conservative position, you are no longer a liberal then to them. Yeah. Even though you'd have 10 more that are out fucking far out left fucking anarchist fuck government. But you have one position that is meant to be in it anyway, and then you're not a, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're mm. not a lefty then, you're not a liberal, fuck you. You're the and they attack you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, that's it's, it's crazy. And, that's, and it's kind of like we had uh, Michael Graham on the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he's very conservative, very conservative, yeah. very right wing, and he made the point as well, he was like, look, we don't have to agree to it. You know what I mean? Like, not everybody has to agree on everything. And I was like, when somebody on the right wing is yeah. making sense with that shit... But I think they're winning you know, the battle there. Yeah. I really do, because you're getting them... Like, even if you look at someone like, uh, you know, Ben Shapiro. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, he is a liberal's nightmare. Because mm. you're talking about an extremely intelligent right winger who never rises above... Who always rises above the bullshit and always rises yeah. above the fucking the fury of the left. And he he always seems to have a look when he's can he's always encountered by dumb fucking lefties, you know what I mean? Mm. And he just destroys them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I just think like there's there's too much divide on the left altogether. People mm. can't come together. They yeah. don't unite. You know what I mean? They don't unite together. You know, mm. so there's a big problem there in Ireland now as well. And just it's all so many fake cunts. You know what I mean? And again that thing you're not allowed to you know, have a kind of diverse thought. Like, I know myself, I have whatever, some beliefs, like I have beliefs that, um, maybe that might be a bit old-fashioned and even ways that are maybe ingrained in me and that I will evaluate them and look on where does that come from and that comes kind of from yeah. your rear, but I still believe them. Like do, the, do, do you evaluate? Because I'm, I'm starting, like, things evolve with me. Yeah, well, yeah, that's conversation I had a conversation today with a guy in work and we were talking about, uh, I hadn't seen him since the Christmas break. And um, he was saying, how did you get on? And we are just talking about all when we went out with both sets of mates and yeah, discussions yeah. and politics and stuff like that. And I was kind of saying, yeah. So I kind of just take a s- step back sometimes with a political discussion with over a few points. Yeah. yeah it's but it's because I'm listening. Yeah. And mm. it's because I'm gathering people's opinions. Yeah. And then the next day I might ring one of my friends and talk about that the night before and say and say just like I took it in I I heard what you were saying but like I just don't agree with what you were saying <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. do you know and I just didn't want to get into that debate yeah in that environment yeah because my opinion I'd say I was I'd say out of five six lads I'd say <coughs> maybe two three of us we're kind of 50 50 and I just didn't want to get into that. I just, when you're saying about the But my point is that I, I do evolve by that, though. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I know, 100%. Like, yeah. I think it's the way I 100% open for changing my opinion on things. That, yeah, I, I always like an argument, yeah. Exactly, and that's the key. If you're, if you believe or you support a particular ideology so much so that even when you know what they're saying or doing is wrong, you still back it. That's where, to me, you're losing because... But like, that's what the left do. Yeah. Because what they do is they go, these are, if you don't support this, well, then you're not, like, they go, mm. put it this way, right? There's people who just jump on things because it's the left thing, because it's that's a part of the left, the left bang wagon. So we have to jump on It's like on their that. blueprint. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Like, I know people who are, who um, are, are violently for repealing the Eighth Amendment. Yeah. But they're jumping on it because it's a lefty thing and it's a liberal mm. thing, right? 
without educating himself in any way, like without educating himself about when does consciousness start, about um, how uh, abortion is conducted in other countries and the restrictions or their lack of yeah. the restrictions in different countries, what may happen and that, and there's a whole lot of possibilities there. And you just go violently, no, women's right, that's it, that's it. And there's not a, if you were a man and you can't even discuss, like you just jump, and I don't know even men like that, mm. and you just jump on the bandwagon. And I have done it myself, and I've, this is, I've learned a lot in the last year or two. I have jumped on certain causes because I'm a lefty, because it's a yeah. left cause. And then I have to look inward and go, hang on, why am I supporting this? Because I'm a lefty and this is deemed lefty. This is deemed on the left. I actually don't feel like that. I don't feel like I want to support this. But then you get people then who say, oh, but that's not what you said before. Yeah, and yeah. It's as if you're not allowed to but you're go, like, Exactly what you're saying, you're grown. Exactly, like, I've yeah. changed my positions on loads of things in yeah. the last year. Exactly. Like, like I can't recognise who I am last year, politically, almost. You know what I mean? I really? change constantly. Yeah. I change, I, I'm not back and forward with things, just changing on different matters the whole time. You know? And Even look, I'll be straight up honest, this is the first time I'm, I'm admitting it publicly, mm. right? Because I never wanted to admit it. Because I'm, I'm afraid of the, the backlash of the attack and I'm just not aiming for it. Yeah. And I don't want to get involved in the whole debate. We'll have my own private thing, but I'll say it here now. And the reason why I'm talking about it is repeal, right? Yeah. So I was automatically for repealing the Eighth Amendment, right? Now, I know both of you are for it, right? Let me just give you my point of view of the whole thing, right? Sure, and yeah. There's a few different teams there. So I was fired and I did, I jumped on for the bandwagon without questioning it. And I remember I was having an argument for, with my family, like a uh, couple of aunts and uh, my cousin, April, who'd be like a sister to me, and they were like, you know, it's murder and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, the women's rights. And I thought they would get it because they're all women. But, you know, some of them would be religiously motivated, but not even all mm. sold, they're all mothers. You know what I mean? So I was totally, totally against it. And she'd done her research on the whole thing. She was like telling me certain things to watch and whatever, and look at places where there's no restrictions, right? And looked into it a lot, and in the whole thing of consciousness, where they can't really prove, and there's no specific place, but you know, that every child had the, you know, starts being conscious of life. And I'm just thinking, this is really kind of complex, actually. You know, this whole thing is really complex, and which is you're not even allowed to say that. So what I'm about to say, they're going to hate me altogether. So start looking into all that research and the whole thing, and I start asking myself, why, why, why are you jumping on it? And I realized it's kind of a lefty thing, and I talked to a friend of mine who's English. And she had an abortion, mm-hmm. and she regretted it. And she said, like, the, the post sort of blue she had from it, and she'd done it when she was 18, 19. And then you find out that one in every five, um, one in every five women in Britain have an abortion. And it just happens like that. And she says, how easy it can happen is, is shocking. And uh, there's no restrictions up until 26 weeks sometimes, mm-hmm. and sometimes even later. Uh, there's one been even later now. And I started looking at the whole thing and I asked myself why I support it. And because it was the lefty thing, that's what I realised. And then I started thinking of a new thing. I started thinking of a new... And I just literally was just... I, 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 I didn't even want to admit to myself that I'm against it, right? Because I was, I'm, cause I'm so obsessed with being a liberal and being a lefty. I didn't want to admit to myself I'm against it. Now, I know I'm not religiously motivated because I hate religion. You know what I mean? I started thinking about the human life. The human life, right? Now, I read this... This uh, article that was done, it was about what they call the abortion genocide, uh, 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 the black abortion genocide in America. And in the last 40 years, 17 million black children have been aborted, more than any other race, uh, all combined. And there was talk about them being deliberately targeted and promoted, and abortion was a big thing in the projects and things that was pushed to kind of... Now, if you if you had them 17 million people still alive today, they'd have a 36% bigger population and much more power in America. And that was one interesting thing. Now, people are using the... 
one fellow said to me on Twitter today, he said, well, poor people are suffering the most because they can't afford to go abroad or whatever. Well, I'm thinking, what about poor people who will have the easy access to this and, the, and population control of poor people and working class people? That's another another aspect. So I just kept talking, I was thinking about all this kind of stuff. And I've just came to the conclusion that I am against it. I genuinely believe it's wrong, I 100%. And I think that it's been hijacked by the mm. right wing, by conservatives. I think that liberals are always on the side of life and, and, and life being saved. They're always on that side. Always like that's what they're anti-war against people getting killed all across the world. But in this instance, they're not. In this instance, they're for what they call women's rights. Mm. Okay, so I think it's actually been hijacked. I think that the real liberal and the real lefty thing is actually trying to save the life. That's actually where I'm at now. I do believe yeah. it. Like, it's the first time I've said it publicly. And if this gets out there, I'm going to get venom online. But I just have to I have to admit it now. It's just uh, I have to get it out of my chest. You see, and here's the thing, and this is where I know earlier on you were saying that this is going to be fucking nasty when, when the whole thing kicks yeah. off. But it is. When you said that, that's yeah. what I was thinking. I was thinking the exact same myself. It, and it is. And here's the thing. I don't necessarily agree with you, but that's mm-hmm. fine. That's absolutely fucking fine. Like, yeah. It doesn't mean that we have to jump across the table with that exactly. bathroom one other. But that's, that's, that's what's going to happen. But that's exactly. what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. And that's yeah. what the, the point I'm hating. There has to be... There has to be a fucking irrational and just like. I'd rather just be a media block out, give us a date, and we'll vote. But that's never going to happen. I know, which yeah. I fucking yeah. wish you know. Yeah. 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 Have they're not no, going to no, do no, it. No, no, I think they're, they're, still, the they're still discussing it in the doll this week. Like, but, like, my whole thing with this is let people have their say. That's but that doesn't, mean, that doesn't mean you have to fucking attack somebody just because you don't agree with them. And. It's one of them things. Like we've had guests on here who have talked about repeal, who have agreed with. We've had guests on here who've talked about repeal, who I don't agree with. But that's their choice. That's the, what the way they think. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. You know. Yeah. Here, I'm gonna make a prediction if there if there is a referendum. Yeah. Because I just like I, like I like making uh, yeah I like making predictions in general. But I'm gonna make a prediction because I'm really confident of it. It's not gonna pass. And this is why I'm, this is me reasons. Right. First of all, you have the religious kind of. You don't think obsessed. repeal the eight will pass? No. No, if it's a referendum and it's left to the Irish public, it won't. It won't. And I thought this when I was forward, when mm. I didn't think about it, when I was a band bank and lefty. I still thought this same thing. And some of it's because I tested the waters lots of times on Facebook and I've seen them kind of... But I think you get the religious groups that are going to, of course, vote uh, for, against it, right? So, yeah, yeah. But then... It, and this sounds a bit, bit kind of class, classes in ways, I think, for the most part, working class people would, would vote against it. I really do believe that. And a lot of young mothers and things like that, like they're very passionate against ones who were not religiously kind of motivated mm. either. I think really, I think the whole campaign really is just full of real liberal lefties, middle class socialists, like communists, you know, for the most part, real just lefties. I think it's a really kind of real ultra political movement. I don't think it's huge. I don't think it's anywhere near what we think it is. I, I'd be surprised if they got 30% of the vote. That's what I believe. I, yeah, the, I the citizens' assembly surprised me, and how how far they went with it. To be honest, I wasn't expecting the citizens' assembly to come back with with you know the the recommendations that they it made. It wasn't either, no. Um, and look, to be honest with you, when the whole thing does, when the referendum and all that, I just fucking hope that people can can take a step back and say. We don't agree, but look, that's why we're. Well, here's about. the thing as well. I, I think it's. I think it's going to pass, think so? and I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be, perhaps sixty forty. Do you think so? Or <laughs> do you want to bet? No, or fifty seven forty three. Here's the thing, right? I think. I think. I think what we're going to see is. I think we're going to see, a kind of marriage referendum style with the youth voting, 
and I wouldn't be surprised if we seen the whole kind of home to vote the, from expats in, in the UK I think the turnout the higher the turnout I think the less likely it is to pass I think it's going to pass I, I think it'll pass 100% but I, I, I agree I do think the higher yeah. the turnout the less likely it is to pass because people are really going to feel strong about it yeah um, and I here's, think the thing, here's the thing about it though even though I feel that way about it right and this is not whitewashing what I said because I stand over what I said and just how I feel like on that but still it feels wrong that young mothers have to travel to the UK yeah. That still feels wrong. Yeah. Even though I'm against abortion, but what I mean is I'm against abortion anywhere in the world. But they still have to travel there. So if they want to get it done, they still have to go there. It feels wrong that they have to do that. Yeah. So if it passes, I'm not going to be one of those going, oh shit, it passed. I actually won't be. Yeah, yeah. hell's not yeah. going to yeah. over. No, not at all. It's not a position that I'm standing mm. on. I'm just going to let it know now instead of being a wimp now and hiding my feelings. Yeah. I'm just putting it out there. Like, I, for instance, I've been asked, uh, I've been asked, uh, approached by people on different sides to get involved and I didn't get involved at all yeah. and I was asked to go on panels talking about I didn't get involved because it's not because I'm thinking about it more of a personal thing if it was a girl that I knew who wanted to get abortion than me had I'd try my best to just convince her not mm. and that, that's try it try best to what? to convince her not to have an abortion okay. I'd try my best you know what I mean I'm saying yeah. I will deal with it more but you, would you she, she comes to ask you for help asks at this present time you have a family member right that, that becomes pregnant she didn't want to be pregnant um, and she says John would you bring me over to England? Would you bring her over to England? I would. Uh, ta- uh, I would. Yeah, give but her, if give it her. didn't work, if your talking didn't work to try and talk her out of it and say, "Look, I don't think you should do it," but I'll bring you because you're family. Would yeah, you, that that'd be the situation. Yeah, if it? I knew, yeah. if I knew that's what she truly wanted. Yeah, yeah. and that's why if it, if it passes, I will be in no way and like there'll be at least they can get it done here a hundred percent but it's just morally and definitely against the whole thing worldwide mm. but I mean like it just seems mad that they can't get it done here in this country they have to travel I don't like that yeah, you know yeah. I mean? but that, I'm still what, not voting for it that's what mm. what's pushing me to repeal what I'll be voting repeal yeah. is Irish women will still I actually be getting don't abortions Irish women will still be getting abortions yeah. I know yeah so I know. I'd rather um, them but then you can argue no matter what they're going to get an abortion somewhere else yeah yeah but exactly. I, I don't I don't like the idea of an Irish woman like this might sound the, the distress sim- of having to go to foreign soil this, to this is just might be a simplistic and fairy tale by me but I don't like the idea of an Irish woman going to the airport on their own afraid to tell their family to go to England for an abortion and in my utopia, my ideology, you go to the airport to go on holidays. You don't go yeah. to the airport to go for this life-changing experience. Yeah, yeah. And I think they are content in their decision, an individual woman, of of getting yeah. an abortion. Yeah. And mm. I think that they might live with that, those consequences. Look at Kitty Holland, Can completely I? honest with her um assessment of her whole life she and had I, an abortion I, 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 she's unbelievable I love Kitty I yeah. love Kitty she's you know, great you know just listen to her about she's my favourite writer listening and to I, her in the media listening to her talking about it yeah. that's when I know you 100% I'm can I ask you a question yeah so have you thought about this a lot no what about do, do you think there should be restrictions oh god I think the 12 week restriction 12 weeks so you're, you're, yours is dependent on a 12 week restriction would it bother you if it was 24 weeks I don't think so it wouldn't bother you 24 no. weeks have you seen a child of 24 weeks no have you seen a child of 12 weeks no where they're at the ground uh, their, their fingers and they're, they're getting unwebbed 
and their device and stop making me formed. feel you're making me feel bad well now. do you know when I seen that and I seen that from legitimate doctors and yeah. that's when I start getting freaked out because I, I go on that, that's what's getting that's what's getting um, getting hoovered out and a lot of the times they're still alive when they, when they like the little hoover thing goes in mm. their heartbeat is still going because a lot of times the the pill that they give them or whatever it is that they give them uh, doesn't work yeah. and they just get sucked out and broken apart do you find yourself between now and say the referendum date do you find that you will try and talk people um, to go your way no no, no. like in, in social gatherings oh or just on my own uh, I, I, I don't will, mean like on the internet or Twitter. I, will, or I, I, will, I know because I'm I very political circles. Okay, my friends are very political and they're all very lefty like myself. They're all very repealed though, if you don't mind me saying. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So I know that when things intensify in the media, they're going to intensify in my circle, <laughs> and I'm definitely going to have that argument with them. But I mean, I'm going to let them know my point of view, hmm. which I th- I've fleshed out a bit of it. There, I'm not going to deny it. Hmm. I am not going to deny it. But that thing, if you just look at a child at 12, look at a child at 12 weeks. Just look at a child at 12 weeks online. Look at it. Look at how developed a child is at 12 weeks. I think I'll prefer to say ignorant. Yeah, see, but why? Why? Because is, is it because you had the same same scenario as me? It's the lefty thing to do. Be honest with yourself. No, no, it's not. It's 100% not the... Do you did not think? No, no, no. Have no, you seen no. a child at 12 I, weeks? I, I, I'll make... Uh, do you think you should... Regardless of my uh, political voting, yeah. I'll think for what I want. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I don't think of a blueprint of... But do you think... Shit, socialists think like that. I should think yeah, like that. Uh, that's what I was doing. No, I don't but do, do that think, at all. Do you think... Do you think do you think you should go and look at all that and inform yourself from now to the referendum? I did um, follow the A committee a lot. Yeah. And the uh, the conversations on, on nightly talk shows post A committee but gatherings. But they want to maybe look at external sources, maybe. And different practices across the world yeah. in relation to abortion. Like I said, I just can't wait till this is over. Yeah, no, me too. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and me getting into the nitty gritty. I mean, so something that was done the generation before now. Can, well I, can I be honest, lads? Because yeah. I've just been sitting back for the last five minutes. It's actually kind of nice to see just a fucking mature conversation on this. This is the first you mature know? conversation I've had now because any time I've, I've uh, tested a wattage with it with people have been attacked. Because like, all that's happening there is just you're just challenging grounds. No, I'm yo, genuinely... Because I'm curious exactly, where we're all yeah. coming from, you know? And there's nothing fucking wrong with that. And yeah. if, if that somehow, if that miracle can fucking happen in this... Maybe there's fucking hope. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe yeah. there is, but... All I'm saying is that, look, rather you're for it or rather you're against it, just don't be a dickhead to somebody. Exactly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Express your opinion, but just yeah. don't be a fucking yeah. dickhead. Allow people to talk as well. You know, don't allow try and change, well. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That's why I'm like, don't be, don't be a campaign, but there is going to be a horrible, yeah. horrible, horrible, horrible That's why I'll have no involvement in any campaign and of any kind, anyway. I think we should no farm... This is not my fight. I think we should farm a political party right now, lads. Don't be a dickhead party. Yeah. yeah I, think, I think we should take over the doll and fuck yeah. it, uh, John, we have kept you here far too long. Oh, no, no, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. I can't yeah. wait for the, for, the, for the repealers now to attack me, but it'll be a good crack. Yeah, well, look, and again, and if they are going to... Before you send that tweet, lads... Just think, would a dickhead send this tweet? <laughs> and if the answer to that is yes, hit the lead, man. Yeah. Hit the lead. Um, 
it has been an absolute fucking pleasure having you on as always man thanks for having me um, we'll come we'll do it again next year yes. oh, we do it every year is it, uh, when was the last time I'd done this year and a half ago nearly, yeah, yeah. no nearly, t- and nearly 18 months ago yeah about that yeah nearly a year and a half ago yeah. okay we do it every 18 months every 18 yeah, months yeah. I'll have yeah. new news for you next time um, yeah and I probably won't agree with everything you say then yeah. but you know what no, I'll probably be pregnant yeah. myself by then <laughs> <laughs> looking for I'm, abortion I'm 24 months <laughs> pregnant me so um, if if people do want to to, to follow you on social uh, media, antagonise you. Yeah, yeah. At, at John Connors nineteen ninety is my Twitter. So get on to me, troll me. I always get back. Is, to you. is there any films <laughs> going to come out at the end of the year? For like, me, yeah, nothing mm. getting released. No, nothing getting so just stuff that's good. I'm going to be making this year. Yeah, yeah. Keep us up to date on that stuff, will you? Yeah, yeah, especially yeah. that that bare knuckle documentary. Man. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Even that time when that's out, maybe you come back on then that time. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah. love it, love yeah. it. Um. And best of luck at the Iftas, and I hope, Thanks, man. I oh, hope yes. you take yeah. home. Thank you. For the whole film, and yeah. because yes. he's had yeah. quite a few nominations. Yeah, we've got five nominations, so yeah, it'd be nice to walk away with a few. Like, it's nice to be nominated. Well, absolutely. You know, just yeah. recognise the film, getting recognised. Yeah. Will you, you know. go to the awards ceremony? Yeah, I go to them, yeah. Sober? Good old crowd. Yeah, I'm going to do the sober. Bring me a little brother with me. Oh, oh, deadly. He's on yeah. a sober buzz with me. And he wants to get it like a Conor McGregor suit. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I'm going to look slick like he's training like a metal patient. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I've seen a picture on your Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Little bro, yeah. Well, best of luck to yourself and Mark. Uh, two fucking gents who... And I've seen actually Mark putting a message out during the week as well about like more representation for different classes and different areas. Yeah, that was a good tweet, yeah. It was, and he's fucking dead. He's a sound bloke, man. He is, he's, he's a sound bloke, yeah. Um, he lost his keys the last time he was here. Oh, right. And then he found his keys. Yeah, yeah, that, that, is, that Mark <laughs> loses his life. <laughs> he doesn't know what's going on. Um, lads, thanks for listening, as always. And you can get all the previous episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podcast Republic, Podcast Addict, anywhere and everywhere. There's a podcast, Mero. They just have to search for WTS Pod. Good man. Yes. You can go to WTSPod.com as well and follow on uh, Twitter at WTSPod Facebook.com forward slash WTSPod Ireland and of course thanks to Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel www.fitzpatrickcastle.com Meryl yes until next week what a fucking mad guest mad guest can't we, wait to oh, tell you we'll tell you off air this song man you'll love this there is full hearts good luck